Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. It's the week of January 4th, 2023. This is episode 260 and I'm your host, Chris Randazzo. Joining me tonight is smasher of Matt Murdock's Karen Randazzo. Do you really want it? Do you really want to taste me? <laughs> and sitting in for Evan and Angie, joining us from Geekade's movie podcast, a theater near you, professional rancor wrangler, Paul Drew. Hey, Karen. Hey, Paul. Karen, guess what? What, Paul? Chicken butt. Guess why? <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Chicken thigh. Guess where? Uh, I, I don't know. Chicken hair. Guess when? <laughs> <sighs> When? Chicken hen. Guess who? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Chicken poo. Guess how? Uh, okay. Nobody knows know. how. It's a secret and no one's ever going to know the answer. <laughs> Thank <don't> you. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's funny about that is that whenever my children say to me, guess what? I say chicken butt and therefore they have never like found that funny. <laughs> <laughs> you you told me I could say whatever I want, and I did. <laughs> you sure did. You said all of the things. You used your time wisely, yeah. and I approve. I prepared. <laughs> Tonight, we're holding off on our regularly scheduled programming to instead bring you a special 2022 year in review episode. What shows did we love most this year? Let's find out. But first, how are you all doing? Well, as Paul, as Paul and I were just discussing, we're... Uh... We're living in a, a space of our children being home 24-7 and experiencing the change in routine that that brings. Yeah, the, uh, it's like a preview of summer vacation. Send me back to work. <laughs> Send me back. <laughs> Honestly. I'm not quite there yet, but uh, I you know, feel differently about my job than you do, I think. <laughs> it's a, it, it, um, I think it's especially painful. Like, it, um, like... Like, it wouldn't be this debilitatingly painful for me if I didn't have, like, some residual uh, anxiety and PTSD from the, you know, the year that we spent inside, uh, you know, just me and him, where, like, you know, he would go to school on his computer and I would go to work on my computer. Like, you know, this this week where, um, you know, he can't seem to escape screens and I... I'm like, all right, if I just have to be held hostage with you while you do nothing, you know, like it's it's bringing back some some bad juju for me. So that's why I'm I like, feel you, man, I feel you. Let it be 2023, 2023. Come on. Well, the good news is by the time people are listening to this, it already is. That's right. It's already 2023. And unfortunately, we had to kick this year off without Evan and Angie. They are going through some magical life altering experiences. Uh, they're attempting to buy a house, so, you know. Cross all your fingers and toes that that's all said and done by Let's the time you hear this. Let's the experience, because uh, as Paul and Karen and I can all attest, buying a house is not very easy, or all that fun, ultimately. <laughs> Nor is homeownership, as we were discussing with Greg last night. <laughs> that is that is also true. Homeownership is, uh, I mean, it's better than renting. I'd, at least in my position, I would say, overall, Better than renting, but uh, it's uh certainly has its ups and downs. So, uh, filling in for Evan and Angie, we have uh, brought my best friend Paul onto the show. 
to uh, yeah. join us and talk about our favorite TV shows. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is great. If there's one thing that I love talking about almost as much as movies, it's TV shows. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, re- I appreciate you having me on your Bumper in Berlin podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all bumper, all the time. <laughs> So uh, I we're kind of doing this by the seat of our pants. I just found out yesterday that Evan and Angie weren't going to be able to make the show. So I kind of did a quick script rewrite. And uh, basically, I think the way we should do this is just kind of we'll all uh, name a show that we loved this year. Uh, talk about it for a minute and converse, as it were. And uh, we'll all take turns and probably aim for like, I don't know, let's aim for around six per person like we'll do three each to start we'll take a break come back and do three more that sounds fun that's good because i was trying to get it down to five and i couldn't okay good i hope you all have more than that because i'm sure there's going to be crossover on our list yeah yeah i had i had like a million shows like i had (laughs) like i had like over 20 shows and i narrowed it down to six so i'm pretty proud of myself and i think you guys should be proud of me too i'm damn proud of you sir uh (laughs) <laughs> well paul you're our guest so why don't you go first hey, so wait like am i doing these like one at a time or like three at a time let's just do do one yeah, yeah. mention a show say why you liked it and then we'll talk about it if we've seen it and and, and so and so and so forth all right yeah, fair tell enough. us a little little bit about it in case we haven't seen it or in sure, case sure. some of our fair listeners haven't either well, I guarantee you this first one you've seen. Um, I, like I said, I was pretty proud of myself. I narrowed it down to six. I, I managed to get like uh, two comedies, two dramas, and then two, um, I'm going to call them like superhero-y, action-y, comic-based kind of things, which I don't mean for that to be a genre, but I guess it kind of is nowadays. Um, so I kind of skipped over the things that I think are are going to be the big hitters, you know, that, that other people might circle on, like all the, the Marvel things and the star Wars things and stuff like that. I'm sure that's going to show up somewhere on the list, but, um, this particular comic book property, I couldn't not put on my list cause I liked it too much. I just thought it was amazing, which was Peacemaker on HBO. Well, that was on my list, too. <laughs> <laughs> Until Karen actually mentioned in the intro, I forgot that was this year. Yeah. What Oh, man, that show was so freaking good. And it would have been on my list if I had remembered that it was this year. Those yeah. that that those were episodes that we were like dying for week to week. We were like, get us this episode now. We need it in our eyeballs now. Yeah, I agree. I, I loved everything about the show. Um, uh, you know. Um, it's funny, like, James Gunn seems to be, like, very hot in the news right now because, I don't know, a lot of people seem to be, like, up in arms about this whole DCEU thing. Um, I, it doesn't it's seem... mostly Snyder fans. Yeah, it, like, it doesn't seem to bother me because I, I never thought it was that cohesive to begin with. Like, it wasn't. You know? It was flat out bad most of the time. Yeah. Like, there was individual movies I liked. I thought, you know, the Wonder Woman stuff was pretty good. I think the, the Shazam thing was pretty funny. But, like, together as a group of things, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, Not really, no. But I think that's why it's funny that the, you know, that the, like, that the edgier stuff, the, you know, Harlequin stuff and the Suicide Squad stuff was the stuff that, like, was the was the breakout hit so like you know of course you're gonna 
you know, lean into him. And, uh, and yeah, the Peacemaker show was amazing. And I think it was like what he does best, you know, like the same reason I fell in love with Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, which is like, I had never heard of these superheroes before. And I'm like, am I really going to invest in a thing with a talking raccoon and a living tree and, you know, all this stuff like that. And then like, damn if it wasn't one of the best things and that he infuses so much heart into it, you know, and then there I am, you know, listening to that Cat Stevens song, bawling my eyes out, you know, watching oh God, these. Yeah, at the end of Guardians 2. Yeah, you know, um, and I think everything I love about what he does is what was in Peacemaker, you know, because like, like, I think he zeroed in on like a lot of characters that would be sort of, that would recede into the background and sort of shined a light on them. And like, it was sort of a diverse group of people, which I loved. Um, and then like all these like weird nobodies who you would almost leave out of comic books, like judo master and white dragon and, you know, vigilante and stuff. Like he manages to find the threads with all these things that are common in other stories and weave them together into one thing. And, like, is it accurate to the comic book? Probably not. But, like, that's the whole thing with these comic books is, like, you know, somebody comes in and, and writes their version of it. And that's, you know, their story that they're telling. And, like, I just I think he was a master at that. And the Peacemaker show was what was successful about, you know, the whole, his whole way of things. So that was, that was top of my list. And that was, like, the first one I had to, I had to talk about. Yeah, I... There were so many things that were unexpected in it for me, too. Like, the whole plot of the bugs, and, like, then they had to go, like, find the the mother bug hive and, like, blow it up. I didn't see... I don't know the the source material at all. I don't know if this is faithful to it or not, but, like, I didn't see any of that coming. <laughs> yeah. And the other great thing about it is uh, I like vulgar humor. I really do. But it has to be smart vulgar. Like, if it's stupid vulgar and just, like, vulgar for vulgarity's sake, then I'm like, whatever. This is, you try harder. But, like, when it's done smart, and this show did it very smart, um, it just, it's brilliant. It made me laugh out loud every week without fail. I was kind of reluctant on this one to begin with because I didn't love his character in The Suicide Squad. Like, not that I thought he was bad, I just like... Really? They made a show out of that? Uh, yeah. Uh, do, do I really want to see a show about, like, more of Peacemaker? Like, what's this even going to be like? But in James Gunn, I trust. And then, like, by the time I finished watching the credit sequence for the first time, uh, I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I am 100% sold on this show. It's, it's, a, it's a freaking masterpiece. But... I yeah I can't I can't even put into words how much I, I I loved it. We were really just aching for this one week after week because it is uh, so flipping good. The, good pick. The, the thing that killed me always too was the was like the relationship between Peacemaker and Vigilante. Like it was <laughs> it was so ridiculous and like the the just like quips and craziness was turned up so high that then when they would like get to some emotional core thing between them or, you know, in, in uh vigilante story or whatever, you were like, how did you do that? How did you make me care about that? You know? So 
yeah. yeah, you know, you watch Peacemaker the first couple of episodes and you're like, oh, you think this character's messed up? Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Nice, nice one. All right, Karen, what's your first pick? Okay, well, let's see. I should probably go with... Um, I I have to go with like the one I think other people might steal, so I get it. I get it first. <laughs> um, uh, I never thought that the thing, one of my favorite things of the year, would be a uh, gay pirate romantic comedy. But oh wow, um, our flag means death. Just amazing. Just, I mean, Taika Waititi. Uh, chef's kiss. I love you. I want. I. I. I just want everything he does, like in in me, consumed in any way possible, as fast as soon as I can. I want him to be in charge of anything he wants to be in charge of, because I just who knew? Who the hell knew? This yeah. brilliant, beautiful little show. Yeah, I I considered putting that one on my list. It it you know it didn't make it when I when I whittled it down to six. Um, but yeah, I did watch that. I loved it. Um, was it was that the was the first season this year or was the the second season? It's the first season. It was the first season. Okay, then mm-hmm. there is no second season yet. Not yeah. yet. Okay. Yeah, like it was one of those things where when I discovered it, I was like. I, I guess I thought it had been on for a while, so it was one of those things where I was like, "How did I miss this?" You know, right? Um, but uh, yeah, that um, that show was cool, and also like unexpected the way that it unfolded. You know, like I think mm-hmm. that you were sort of invested in other stories first before you kind of zeroed in on the relationship between uh, the two of them. Well, yeah, um, I mean, you didn't even meet Blackbeard till a couple episodes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like. It had about three turns in the course of the season where you're like, thought it was going one way, and then surprise, we're we're gonna zag when you thought we were gonna zig. Uh, and all the performers were amazing, you know. Even um, what's her face, Leslie Jones, who I'm not he- typically a huge fan of, she was great mm-hmm. as Spanish Jackie. Fred Armisen again, I can take her leave. He was great. What what was his thing that made you laugh so hard? Just. You just got Titanic balls. <laughs> uh, yeah, that the man can put together a show. That's all I that's all I can say. I really love that episode where they um like they did that really elaborately staged thing to fake his death. The fuckery. Oh, yeah, the fuckery. <laughs> that's some fuckery. <laughs> oh yes, then Steve's death. oh he may have survived that (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that was a that was a real fuckery so yeah i can't i think that second season's coming in like february and i just can't wait yeah i was uh i didn't watch this immediately either and then after karen and everyone talking about it for as long as they did i uh Jumped in on it, and Karen was more than happy to rewatch it with me, and I freaking loved it. <laughs> I freaking loved it. It was uh, I, I was surprised by it uh, consistently because I didn't really know. I it wasn't the show that I expected it to be, uh, and that was it was a great twist for me. It was uh, I didn't expect it to be. I didn't expect to care about it to the degree that I did 
in the aspects that I did. And I just, I liked everyone on the show. I thought they were all great. And again, I like Karen, I'm not a, usually a very big fan of Leslie Jones and she did not bother me on this. Um, I, I, th I thought it was masterful. I won't go as far as to say that I want Taiki to Taiki Watiti to do everything forever because Thor Love and Thunder was good, but not as good as it should have been. But uh, outside of that, yeah, uh, this show was just a, a, a freaking top-notch, loved it to death. I gotta tell you, I think he's stronger when there's other voices in the room that are contributing their artistic sensibilities and, and exactly. sort of reining it in a little bit, which I think is what you're getting with, um, with that show. You know, because I think a lot of the humor is, um, oh, help me out, what's his name, Rice? Rice, um... Yeah, the the guy that plays Steed. Murray. Um, uh it's not Murray, but I know what you mean. It's Murray from Flight of Concords. Yeah. Right, right, right. Murray. Um <laughs> But yeah, like like Tycho like um uh what do you call it? Thor Thor Ragnarok, I think is one of the best MCU. Oh movies. my god. Absolutely. But he directed that, he didn't write it, you know, like yeah. Thor Love and Thunder. He they He's Darby. Yeah, they they Thor Love and Thunder, they gave him the whole reins, and then you see what happens when he's allowed to bounce off the walls with nobody checking him, you know? Yeah, like, it was still good, but it could have been, it could have been better, and, uh, but that's, that's a, that's a podcast for a different podcast. If you, sure. if this you, show was if you see, like, behind the scenes stuff with Taika Waititi, you can tell he's, like, just the biggest child, and, right. <laughs> you know, having the most fun of anybody in the room, and I do think you're right, he does need does need other people to uh to help make the best that he can be um but i think the bet like the the best short review of this show that i can give is that i finished watching it and then i immediately said to you like we have to watch this and i was ready to rewatch immediately is not, I don't need any time to pass. I don't care that I already know everything that's going to happen. I want to see it again immediately. <laughs> and, I've and I've done at least one or two rewatches since, that, since I rewatched it with you. <laughs> so, right. yeah, that's my first pick. Our flag. Nice. Solid. Solid first pick. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. Well, um, hmm. This is, uh, this, is, this is tough, but I think I am going to... Throw my hat at, because I feel like somebody else is gonna take it. Nah, heck with it. I'll 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 just I'll just go a little. Uh, I'll go this one. Nobody else is gonna take this one. I will say my first pick for a show that I genuinely enjoyed so very much this year was a uh, season one of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. <laughs> I freaking loved this show. I was um, I. Loved Star Trek as a kid. I used to watch Next Generation with my dad, and we watched all of uh, Deep Space Nine, which I thought was was so interesting, even as a kid. And I would really like to revisit it as a, as an adult because I know there's a lot of complex stuff in that show that probably went way over my head. But I haven't been much into Star Trek TV for a very very long time um, because I live with Karen, and Karen's never been all that interested in watching Star Trek TV. And there hasn't been a ton of it. Um, but when Star Trek Picard happened, I was so excited to see that show. And I wasn't finding time to watch it on my own. So I asked Karen if she'd watch it with me. And we did. And she wound up not hating it, which made me super happy. 
Uh, so um, while Picard was great, and Picard season two also was this year and was also great, uh, it was Strange New Worlds that really, really, really got me because um, it has this original Trek flavor, but with such a modern take on original Trek. And it was <laughs> it was so interesting week after week. I'm trying to remember what that one episode we watched was. Uh, there was one episode that where it was like they were it was they were so close to death and I can't I, I have to look at the episode list to, to to figure out which one it was but it was so incredibly intense and the show was so heartfelt and everyone on it is great uh it was it was everything a Star Trek show needed to be everything I would ever want from a modern Star Trek show uh it was great and like in conjunction with discovering Star Trek Lower Decks which is absolutely hysterical and a wonderful show that's in its third season um, it, that's it's an animated comedy Star Trek show, and then Picard being a way more, I don't know, adult or mature is the right word for it, but it's a much grittier um, kind of in, in not super Star Trekky Star Trek show. Uh, just kind of like expanding the horizons of what a Star Trek thing can be, and then have Strange New Worlds just like land perfectly with like a, a perfect casting of a young Spock. Uh, Captain Pike is was just magnificent and charming. Uh, the visual effects were all great. Uh, the the stories were all great. It was just a wonderful show that I love to death. I unfortunately don't have a lot I can contribute to this. Um, uh, I have a healthy respect for Star Trek. Um, I I've seen more of the movies than the TV. Like I I think it started when. Um, I don't know, it was like in seventh grade, they didn't want to teach us science, and they rolled in a cart, and we watched the Star Trek movie where they saved the whales. Remember that one? Yeah. My favorite one, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, like, because I watched that movie, I was like, oh, what are some of the other, you know, and I watched, you know, um, uh, I watched, uh, oh, help me out here, uh, you know, Search for Spock, the one before that with the, with Khan. Yeah, Khan. Khan, thank you, Wrath of Khan, you know, so then, like, that set me up to understand some of the newer ones where they, they turned the stories of the older ones on its, on its head, you know, the Mm -hmm. into darkness and stuff like that. And I thoroughly enjoyed them, but the television is sort of like the big hole in my knowledge. And I've, you know, I've watched some of the classic episodes or the things I needed to know to understand wrath of Khan, like that Khan episode. But like, Mm -hmm. I haven't sat down and watched Star Trek, you know, I haven't trekked my way through it as it were. <laughs> so, well done. Um, yeah, I unfortunately don't. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to the larger universe of Star Trek, I, there's there's great holes in my availability to discuss it. Well, I would definitely recommend trying Strange New Worlds because it's, like I said, it does what classic Star Trek. Like, it has that spirit of a classic Star Trek show, but it does it in a very modern and interesting way, and it doesn't rely on your need to know anything specific, because it's kind of a prequel-ish show. It's like Captain Pike was the captain of the Enterprise before uh, Kirk. Kirk. So this is all stuff that's happening before the, the original Star Trek series um, on the Enterprise, but before Kirk takes over the Enterprise. In fact, you get to meet a young Kirk, uh, in this series, uh, once or twice, uh, they they play a they play pretty interesting with it. But like the cast is great, the the young doctor lady is great. 
Uh, Spock is great. Young Uhura is great. I I just I just love the heck out of this show. I think the episode I was thinking of was called uh, uh, Memento Memento Mori. I think is what it was. There was just some sort of really like super intense uh, global, not no universal like death situation uh, on its way. It, there's there. I wish I could remember which one it was. I'd have to rewatch the season. Oh no! I feel um, like it was early in the season, and at the end of it, I was like, "Is Star Trek always this intense?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. That's why I think it was either Memento Mori or Ghosts of Illyria. Um, but yeah, this this show really knocked my socks off, and I can't wait for season two, which is apparently going to have a crossover with Lower Decks, which I cannot freaking wait for. Uh, I've. I liked the show as well. It was on my list, but I knew it was never going to make the cut. Um, but I think the best thing that you know I can say for it is, as a non-star, as a non-Star Trek person or a casual Star Trek person, I really liked it. It, it got me to like want to watch Star Trek every week. So, well done, show. Nice, yay! All right, back to you, Paul. All right, I think we're about to hit a couple on my list that I don't think are going to be on anyone else's list, but we'll see. Um, so my next one uh, is uh, it's on Peacock. It's on the streaming service Peacock, and it's called Killing It. Do either of you know the show? I have not heard of it, no. Okay. Um, this show uh, kind of sucked me in when I saw the, the trailer for it. Um, it stars... Craig Robinson, who I like. I think he's mm-hmm. funny. Um, subsequently, he plays a character on the show named Craig. So, you know, because that's not a stretch. Um, but anyway. Uh, and then the other uh, main character on the show is actually in um, is in Our Flag Means Death. Um, the Australian woman that played um, Steed's wife. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know her name, but I love her. I don't know her name either, but she's hilarious in this show. Um, uh, so kind of the setup is, uh, both of them are kind of like down on their luck, hard times. Um, Craig Robinson meets her because she's a, um, she's a, like an Uber driver and like, she's also doing other internet things to make ends meet. She's like a task rabbit and she's got a billboard that she, you know, like drags around behind her car and all this other stuff. Right. So like he sort of meets this insane woman and you know, like, learns of all the things she's doing to, um, you know, to make ends meet. And one of the things that she does is the state of Florida pays you money um, by the pound for any python that you kill and bring in because they have a, <laughs> um, they have a, like, an, an overcrowding, you know, population problem with pythons in the Everglades. Um, so... They sort of entered this competition together um, where they're trying to bring in the most pythons and the biggest pythons and like the the, um, you know, the the winning team gets like ten thousand dollars. So they team up and they're trying to do this like python killing. And then uh, it it springboards into like other crazy things that happen. Hilarity ensues. And then ultimately, like it's them witnessing a crime and then like trying to like get out of that whole thing. So um, the show ended up being really funny. It goes to some crazy places that you would not expect. Um, And it's, uh, I think it's largely like Craig Robinson and that woman that like, you know, that, that make it so fun and interesting and cool to watch. So 
uh, I, I guess neither of you will have much to say about it, but you should check out Killing It. It's a funny show. It sounds great. Uh, Claudia O'Doherty is her name that I mm. just looked up. Um, Peacock is a real um, interesting place. It surprises me. There are shows from there that I just love, one of which is uh, Girls 5 Eva, mm, okay. um, which is the girl, uh, girl band reunion show. Um, that's hysterical, and we, we watched an episode of that for this podcast sometime this year, and Angie was so mad because uh, she was like, I don't, I don't like this concept. I don't think I'm going to like the show. And then, you know, it was very fresh and original and kind of, you know, feminist take on the subject, and she really liked it. So, And then there was that other show, We, we Are Lady Parts. Parts. Yes, yeah. I watched uh, that. That, that was, was great. great. Yeah. Which I, was, I don't. Go I ahead. was actually going to say that when Karen, when you brought up the other show, I was like, if you, I, I was going to say, if you haven't watched it, watch We Are Lady Parts. Yes, uh, I loved it very much, and it's not uh, originally a Peacock thing. I think they bought it from somewhere in England, but um, still, Peacock is like a place where I think if you're looking for like just weird, offbeat, funny stuff, like you might want to check it out. So, um, based on liking those two other shows, maybe. Uh, Maybe I will give this killing it show a shot. Nice. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, oh, how to long is it? Is it a half hour comedy? Over. Yeah, it's a half hour comedy. Perfect. <laughs> we are. We're always happy to have half hour comedies in our life. Yeah. We still have. Um, we still have the rest of season three of um, uh, uh, Lower Decks to get through, and we wanted to continue watching um, Harley Quinn as well, but. Wouldn't mind uh, throwing a throwing a live action something in there to break up our cartoons. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Let me just check. I'm ninety percent certain it's a half hour comedy. Um. Yeah. And oh. it's. Oh, I thought there was. It's it's more than six or eight episodes. It's thir No, it's ten episodes total. So that's not. It's not bad. Nice and short. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's All right, Karen, like what is it. your next pick? Uh, my next one is going to be something that I doubt either of you boys will pick, but it needs to be talked about because it's like one of my favorite things of the year. Uh, <laughs> and another gay romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> Heartstopper is just this most adorable little romantic comedy uh, about these two teen boys, um, one of whom came out or was was outed at school like the year before the show starts and was bullied for it and just kind of had a terrible life had this other boy that he was like hooking up with in secret but the other boy wasn't ready to come out and he was being really like nasty and abusive about it um and so as the show starts like our hero Charlie, he like breaks up with this dude and makes friends with this other kid Nick who is a, appears as straight as straight can be and like over the course of the show he figures out that he's bi and they go from being friends to being boyfriends and it is just the sweetest most adorable thing uh it's based on a series of graphic novels by alice oseman um the first season covers like i think the first two books um it is it is just so sweet so heartwarming covers a lot of issues that like younger i think 
Gen Z type people are very prevalent in their lives. And I think older people like us, elder millennials and Gen X people helps them kind of understand the struggles that like we're all very accepting of, but this is not anything that we, this is another level of the um, LGBTQ experience that we didn't deal with as much. So I really like how, uh, you know, how much it just brings into the conversation. And it was a huge hit on Netflix and it's, you know, coming back for second season next year. And having now read all the books, I'm like, give it to me now, give it to me now. <laughs> so, um, it's not everybody's cup of tea, of course, like, you know, gay teen romance, um, probably not for everybody, but if it is your cup of tea, then you haven't somehow seen it. You very, 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 very much should. What, um, tell me what it's called again. Heartstopper. Heartstopper. Cool. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen it, so I can't, I can't really, uh speak to that one it, it's like it's interesting some of the points that you bring up and i it's definitely like piqued my interest i want to watch it um uh we just a couple nights ago we watched um that movie that uh billy eichner made called bros um okay yeah i haven't seen it yet but yeah yeah like i like i really liked it and i thought that it had a lot going for it but then i like listened to some reviews and then like i think some of the communities that it was trying to speak to it sort of like alienated a little bit because it was mm. trying to be like too broad and like rope in too many people um which like you know like i guess i appreciated it because it roped me in but like right. you know i i could see um i could see some of the points they made um but like when you talk about how it um you know how it it the show zeroes in on like things that are more in like gen z's you know day to day and stuff like that like that's something i'm noticing with some of these shows where i'm like oh wow this isn't made for me <laughs> you know and right, like yeah. some sometimes i'm like this isn't made for me and that's okay and sometimes i'm like oh man i just don't get it um but like i still like watching the things and like you know what i mean and like trying to <laughs> expand you know where i'm coming from here absolutely yeah. we are um you know, whether we like it or not, we're aging out of that 18 to 49 demographic <laughs> yeah. where most people, most of the things that are made for that, those people, we're starting to not be those people anymore. So I think it helps to watch things that aren't made for us and, and like not be boomers about it. There, There's a show on, um, also I think on Peacock called, um, it's like Mr. Mayor or something like that. Did you yes. See? Yeah. Like the people that are his assistants, the like humor is definitely like Gen Z. You know, it's like it's it's mm -hmm. like it's these real specific things about like TikToks and Vines and ASMR and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh man, like I just like I can't get this character. Like <laughs> you know, like I can't I can't key into anything relatable. It's tough. <laughs> well, um, I don't know anything about this show. I don't even think I've ever heard you talk about it. So it definitely doesn't sound like it's for me, but I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying about the whole, like, you know, we're, we're aging out of that demographic. I felt that way a bunch of times while watching Ms. Marvel um, this year, which I loved. I thought it was great, but there was like a lot of times watching it, like 
this is really not aimed at me. I mean, that's great. It's just not great for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm selfishly feeling a bit old. But that's that, that's cool. Um, sounds like a neat show. Well, I guess I will go next. And I'm going to go with... I mean, there's one really obvious one that I'm going to pick, but I think I'll just save that for last. Uh, so I'm going to say that my next pick is The Boys, uh, which was, what was season three? Season three. three. Yeah. Uh, I freaking love this show so much. Um, it's really brutal in... Uh, it's, it's, it's almost... You gotta wonder, like, how long are they going to be able to keep it up? Um, and still be uh, as quality as it is, but the, the and whole... as shocking, you know, right. yeah, like the first scene of season oh, was man. really something special. Was that the was that the like like sex party they were at the sh- the shrinking guy who oh, uh, accidentally enlarged? <laughs> that was that was really brutal. That was something else entirely. But I mean, what was his name? What was uh? Jensen Eccles' character, um, uh, for, the, the the not Soldier Captain Boy. America, Soldier, Soldier Boy. Boy. Oh, okay, yeah. What a fun plot that was, and the fact that the crazy Nazi lady was technically still like she was still alive and like in a coma, and God, everything with Homelander, like at the end where Homelander just comes out and says everything that's on his mind, and then people start cheering him, and he like. Oh, people people like me for me. People like that I'm evil and I kill the people that they don't like. It was genuinely terrifying. It was it was such an unsettling last piece of this season. Uh it was it was just a, a, a top-notch season all around. And the, the show continues to be entertaining and shocking and hilarious and um heartfelt and just everything that I would want out of a TV show. Um that I will never show my children. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's very interesting watching this at the same time as um, Lower Decks season one and different sides of Jack Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, uh, very different shows. Uh, this was on my list too, and I bumped it for Peacemaker. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it except uh, any show that is is what gets me to be able to say that I got to see Jensen Ackles' ass. I'm on board. I am I'm a fan. Yeah, I I didn't put this on my list, but it is um you know, it is something that I've watched and uh you know, I I think I mainly didn't been, didn't put it on my list cuz I figured somebody else would. Um but uh yeah, it's um it's it's so interesting cuz I feel like the sort of balance of like comedy versus gratuitous just <laughs> awfulness sometimes um <laughs> you know it's it, it walks this very fine line and like I, I you know like i i find that like i'm not able to binge it you know what i mean like i have to watch an episode and then wait a couple days and then you know watch the next one or i've been watching them week to week as they come out so um you know i get a nice healthy week in between there um but yeah, like Homelander is terrifying. Um and uh and like terrifying in that like you can kind of relate him to like, you know, people in 
current society <laughs> in you know yeah. in in the political landscape. Um, and then I also just love Butcher. Like, um, oh god, he's so great. Yeah, and he's like so he's so complex and like just regularly surprising, you know, like, um, I think it's always like, what's he going to do? You know? Um, and the, the stuff that this season laid out with the, um, with the temporary compound V where they could, you know, take it. Mm -hmm. um, Oh yeah. I thought was, uh, yeah, I thought it was really, um, was, was well done. It was, uh, surprising each week what was going to happen. I was working in comic book stores around when uh, Herogasm the comic came out. So, like, there was definitely... I had never read it. I just never really felt the need to read The Boys. Uh, I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that it was uh, extremely gory. And I, you know, I had more than enough books to read at the time. But I remember a lot of people talking about Herogasm being, uh, being something... Uh, being something interesting. So uh <laughs> I was uh when that episode aired, that was uh that was a situation. <laughs> it's I really love this show. I really, really do. And like it and Invincible are both like kind of the opposite sides of the same coin. And I can't wait for Invincible to come back. I feel like it's been for freaking ever. But uh I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um uh, the other fun thing about watching this season was watching like the fandom on Twitter and the portion of the fandom that did not oh understand that Homelander was not the hero. Oh my God. There's <laughs> so them many slowly realizing that the show didn't think Homelander was the hero. Oh, I didn't even know that. Good God. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. It was so funny. There's a, a definite contingent of right wing nut jobs who were, uh, who were just taking Homelander completely unironically. Oh, wait, wow. this, show, this show's going down the toilet. They're, they're making Homelander into the bad guy. No, they're not. Homelander's always been He's the bad guy. Been the bad guy. Ooh, it's a whole world I'm missing not being on Twitter. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm missing it, but no. Yeah, at no. this point, Twitter no. don't. Don't know. Yeah. yeah, Invincible was 2021. It feels like it was longer, but yeah, well, Invincible 2021 was, was also four years long. So, <laughs> yeah, that is also true. Oof. All right, we're back to you, Paul. Okay, um, here's another one that I'm sure nobody's going to have on their list. Um, uh, I, I kind of wanted to nab something from um, Apple TV. Uh, I almost put on this show called um, Shining Girls that Sherry and I watched together um, because uh, she likes Elizabeth Moss and Handmaid's Tale, and I like you know weird murder stuff and paranormal things, and it <laughs> merged both of those things. Um, so we we both watched that, and that was a cool show. But I opted for that not to be the one I put on, and I watched I put on the one that I'm watching by myself, which is called Slow Horses. Um, am I am I alone on this one? You are. Okay. Never even heard of it. Okay, Slow Horses is a uh, is a spy show. Um, so it's a little bit dense because it's like most spy things are dense, but like you know, I just have to like pay attention really hard and remember like who's on what mission and what's happening and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it takes place in, um, in Great Britain. It's, uh, you know, MI5. Um, and the characters that you're following don't actually work in the main building of MI5. They work in, uh, this like shitty little office building in the middle of nowhere called Slough House. 
Um, and they are, you know, they are the group that is referred to as the slow horses. So they're the fuck ups that got put there because like they boned a mission or they like, you know, they, you know, they turned over sensitive information or like something that they weren't supposed to. So like they can't be fired because they're sort of part of the intelligence community and it's like a sensitive thing, but like they kind of put them there to like stall out the rest of their career. Um, and Gary Oldman is the guy that runs Slough House. Um, his, his character's name is Jackson Lamb. Uh, and first of all, I would watch Gary Oldman read the phone book if that was a show, <laughs> right? Like, if, if like that was a show, I'd be like, point me towards that show, right? Um, but what you come to find out about this character that Gary Oldman plays is, like, he's not there because he's a fuck-up. He's there because he's pissed people off. And he's really fucking good at what he does. Um, oh. So, uh, like, you can tell that he really, really doesn't want his team to, like, help MI5 at all. But when, like, something comes up that he knows that they can uncover, like, he kind of, like, he kind of, like, rides everybody hard and is like, all right, this is what we're doing or whatever. And he's such a fucking prick. It's like, like, it's, like, he's so fun to watch. Like, he'll just, like, walk into a room and, like, fart at somebody, you know, or, like, there was, like... There's this one episode where, like, they, um, you know, he, uh, like, there was this person that was sort of paid by these, this other group to, you know, say that she hit this guy with a car or whatever. Like, it was one of his people. And, you know, he, like, gets this information out of her and she's like, all right, you're going to protect me, right? Like, you said I'd get protection. And he's like, oh, yeah, call this number and ask for number five. And he basically, like, gave her the card for the place where he orders noodles from and like says like call number you know like order number five for me <laughs> like he's just he's a complete prick bastard but he's like really good at what he does and this is the second season um that they're in so i'm i'm sort of halfway through the second season it's still airing but um but yeah i'm uh i'm super into this show mainly because of the character that gary oldman plays yeah, I like Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of this show at all, but um sounds interesting. Yeah. He's a talented dude and uh I love anything like British and spycraft, so it reminded me of another show that I may mention later, so I'll keep that one in my pocket for now. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of politics going on, um, but like, you know, the the group within Slough House is kind of really fun to watch, um, mainly because like they're fuck ups, but they all sort of have like a strong suit too. You know, like the the guy who's their um, like camera and intelligence and spy guy. You know, the guy that can like follow the cameras and stuff. Like he's there because he like hacked shit that he wasn't supposed to. You know, so like he's kind of a cocky bastard. Or you know, the the there's another character that you sort of follow that's there because there was a training mission that he failed and like. You know, in the context of this training mission, he like unleashed a biological weapon or something like that. So they're like, you know, this in this training mission, you would have killed like 5.4 million people or something like that. You know, <laughs> but um, you find out later he was kind of like set up to fail. Um, yeah, like they're all they're all really compelling to watch because um, they all have a strong suit, but like they're kind of there because they're they're damaged goods. So it's it's one of them shows. Gotcha. Hmm, cool. Neat. Sounds like fun. All right, Karen. What's your uh, what's your 
last one of the top half of the show. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This is where I'm gonna drop my um, really uncomplicated, non-controversial opinion. Uh, I loved Stranger Things season four. Ah, that made my list. Uh, <laughs> Got to think of another one now. <laughs> it's was you know, it's the one show that as long as it's been on, we have been stupid and like let's stay up way past our bedtime and binge the shit out of this as soon as it comes out because we just it's so compelling uh did you are you a stranger things person paul hell yeah hell, hell yeah. yeah god yeah, this it season was... was a freaking ride too yeah it, it was really a good season. was uh they did so many things right i really loved the relationship between steve and robin um Eddie was a great new addition, as was, what's his face, the pizza guy, Argyle, is that his name? Oh, yeah, Argyle was great. He yep. was he was some much-needed comic relief. They did a great job of, like, the one thing that's not fun about that show is uh, Nancy and Jonathan, like, and their, like, relationship drama that nobody gives a shit about because <laughs> they don't have any chemistry. Um, and they did a great job of just eliminating them, but having them in two completely separate <laughs> yeah. plots that never met up. Like, well done, show. Good job. Yeah, and I like both those characters. I just don't like them together. Is, 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 are they like, you know, are they trying to like bring Steve in as like, I, like the other guy now? You know what I mean? I think that's what they're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think where they'll be heading with them in the last season is like, Steve wasn't, you know, the person that Nancy needed when in the beginning of the show, but over the course of the show, he's becoming the person that she needs. Mm -hmm. Well, from my understanding, Steve was meant to be the villain in the first yes. season and people just liked him so much that, you know, they sort of changed course with him in season two and they brought in that Billy character to like fill the role that they right, wanted. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. And I'm glad they did because that kid's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Keery. Wait, like, <laughs> give him all the parts. Love that dude. Uh, and the whole Russia plot. Like, the whole, oh my God. Every time they got to that, I was like, yes, thank you. The Flame Murray fly, like, <laughs> flying across, flying to Russia. And, and it... I'm a big fan of Murray. Like, Murray's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. He's the unsung hero. Uh, like, Joyce kicked ass. Obviously, Hopper did, too. Mm -hmm. It was, like, really satisfying to get him back. And, you know, in such a, such a, I don't know, emotionally satisfying way. I liked that Game of Thrones guy, the many-faced guy who was with Hopper the whole time in the Russian Oh, prison. yeah, yeah, the the... The other Rus Russian convict. Yeah, I don't know yeah. his name, but he was he was awesome. I forgot he was on Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, I, I, this was this was gonna be my second to last pick. I, I just, I was so excited the whole freaking time. That wait for the last episode was like was freaking killer. It was just, it was super rough. Give it to me now, and but, uh, and everything with eleven and the in the. Uh, the institution and her backstory with uh, number one. And I, I, I really love the way they developed that whole thing of like, 
this dude who was a fellow patient in that place with her ended up becoming this like monster from another dimension because of what they did to him. I also got to say it was like a little bit weird too the way they laid out the season how like most of it came out and then like a month later I think like the last two episodes came out but like the last two episodes were like almost like a movie that like summed it all up um yeah. and I think they I, I think they did a really smart job of how they you know how they distributed it like I I I can't totally explain why but like as far as like preserving the hype I feel like it really worked we talk about this on this show a lot, how, like, is it better to drop a whole season at once or go week to week? And, like, as in terms of keeping your show in the conversation of, like, you know, the viewing public. And I think this was, like, Netflix's sort of compromise of that, because Netflix is a drop the whole season at once kind of place. Right. Um, but this, like, have, by dropping the beginning... And then waiting a month for the the next, it it kept everybody, especially where they broke it, it kept everybody hungry and talking about it for a good month. So, I mean, people are going to talk about Stranger Things anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking Stranger Things. Um, so sorry to steal your show, but you were the one who didn't want to compare notes. So that's okay. That's <laughs> what makes it fun. I'm really, I also really want um red haired girl to be okay. Like, yes, yeah. I want Max to be okay. Really, really want Max to be okay. All right. Um, well, I guess it's my turn. And my uh, last pick, the first half of the show, is going to be season four of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Ah, so you stole one of mine back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I I find this show relentlessly comforting. It's, um, I, I was, uh, I used to love Gilmore Girls. I have no bones bones about that, but this show um upon in hindsight uh there were characters in Gilmore Girls that aren't ultimately all that likable, Rory. Um but Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is like it has so much of that Gilmore Girls DNA, but it just does it so much better, I think. This whole show has been such a wonderful, surprising and interesting show to watch in season 4 with her like taking over the strip club uh was really interesting i like that i find it so interesting that the joel character is still is still around he's not only still around he's he's interesting like i care about what happens to him in his life which is not something i expected after him in like season one he was such a a, a piece of shit really um but the way all the characters grow in this show are is so fun to watch and everybody in the show is so fun to watch. I, I just, I just love this show to death. And, uh, I, I, I almost forgot it was this year because it was in freaking February, which feels like a lifetime ago, but yeah, man, this show is phenomenal. And it was, uh, definitely season four was one of my favorite things I watched this year. So I haven't watched this show is, the the character that you talked about, Joel, is that her husband? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I so the reason I haven't watched this show, like I looked, you know, I looked at the, I've seen ads for it. I'm like, oh, this looks like a show I would like to watch. But like, when you talk to my mom about stuff, she like can't, like she can't just like, like tell you, she can't just like tell you the flavor of something or like 
you know, like the sort of like, this is the general plot. And then, you know, like hilarity ensues, you know, like that kind of thing. Like she's got to like re-explain the show to you beat by beat. So like, you know, we were like, we're talking about it at dinner and she's like, you know, and her husband's a comedian and blah, blah, blah. And then turns out she's the comedian, you know? And I'm like, (laughs) Oh great. Like now I don't have to watch the show, you know? So I, I largely haven't watched it because my mom, blabbed about it and then i was like all right well i guess i'm not watching this now (laughs) i i highly recommend watching it anyway it's your mom explaining it will never do it justice (laughs) oh definitely i mean like it 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 looks and sounds like a good show and it's like it's won some awards right tons yeah Yeah, it is it is tremendously entertaining it is it's it's so freaking good and it really it hits you in the feels right when it needs to. It is extremely funny. The 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 comedy is genuinely great. Uh uh what's her name? Um Alex Borstein is outstanding. Uh Zach Levi's in season three. Uh and, and he's he's interesting. It it's just fantastic. It's a fantastic, fantastic show. And I, I It's marvelous. <laughs> it truly is. Yeah, it does, I love it to death. It does some really interesting things with her career too. Like you, you know, you go in knowing, oh, okay, she starts out as a stand-up comedian and and a woman in the '60s, um, and and you sort of think you know where that's gonna go and what her struggles are gonna are gonna be, and it goes over the course of the season, and like you're like, okay, well, she's getting to a certain level, and like I just is gonna. I guess it's just going to keep going from there. And then something happens to change the course of where her career is going that you didn't see coming. And it's, it's great that it does that. And this season had so many good moments. So mm. many. It did. Um, between the two dads. Yep. When one of them thought he was going to die or he had a heart attack or something. Um, the, the scene where her mother got hypnotized and did her act. Was, oh my god it was a, an amazing because the, the mother got hypnotized and then like did a spot on impression of her daughter's comedy routine which she doesn't approve of oh that's funny um and like my favorite thing about it obviously was the relationship between midge and lenny i i love lenny bruce on this show their chemistry is like fire uh it's so good and that scene at the end where he like brings her on the stage of Carnegie Hall in an empty, you know, auditorium and like gives her the business. Oh, I rewatched that scene so many times because it, it just hits me like, oh, I can't, I can't even say it hits me in the feels because it's that's too cliche and not deep enough for how I feel about that scene. Yeah, it's it's like a full body smack to the face. And it's <laughs> you're you're 100 percent right. Like they use the character of Lenny Bruce very sparingly in this show and they, they use him just enough. And the guy who plays him is phenomenal. And they, they do have just, just tremendous chemistry. It's, it's, it's a, it's a ridiculously good show. It's one of my favorite things on TV. Every time there's a new season, I can't watch it enough. It's, is, a, it's is there a real comedian that she is supposed to be? I no, I don't think don't so. I don't think so. Oh, Okay. I, it's, so she it's interacts just, with a lot of real characters like yeah. Bruce, but um, it's it's, it's just yeah. interesting that like you know because like I feel like that's 
you know, that I think that's become sort of a a hot, you know, thing in comedy now is like the the like rise of, you know, of the female comedian in a time when it wasn't popular and like um and like what that does to somebody. The I haven't watched Mrs. Maisel, but the show that we do watch is Hacks. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, she's clearly supposed to be Joan Rivers, you know, like you watch it and you're like, all right, she's like, like that's who, that, who, that's who that character is supposed to be. I didn't know if, um, the, the Mrs. Maisel character was based on somebody. Not that I'm aware of. She's great though. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Highest recommendation. All right. And with that, we are going to take ourselves a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about our top threes. I mean, we're not necessarily ranking these. I'm just, you know, three oh, more. I, yeah, I, I definitely more. didn't put them in any order. <laughs> yeah, these are not. The mine aren't in any. It was specific hard enough order to either. narrow them down a little and rank them. Although I will say that my last one is going to be extremely predictable, but also, you know, probably my favorite of the year as well. So anyway, uh, you are listening to this week's episode from Geekade.com. Stick around. Hi everyone, Chris here. Podcast listening is free, but podcast creation is not. That's why the Geekade Patreon exists. In an effort to help us pay the bills, we've got a Patreon page set up where you can gain access to our monthly podcast topic schedule, get early access to many of our shows, and more. If you'd like to help support Geekade and keep these shows running week after week, head over to the Geekade Patreon page, linked in the show notes of this very podcast. And now, here's a quick look at some of the other original content, available now from our partners and Geekade.com. First up, in an all-new episode of Geekade's music podcast, Turning Tracks, it was Matt's turn to choose the band, and he went with the Masters of Moodiness, Depeche Mode. Having been regularly creating music for over 40 years, this legendary band has quite a legacy that they have earned with a string of hits and decades of consistent quality. Which tracks did Matt choose that define his experience with the band best? Find out in Turning Tracks Episode 4, Depeche Mode. Next, bread. I love bread, you love bread. Even if bread doesn't love you back, its greatness cannot be denied. But what's better than real-life bread? Well... Nothing. But what's almost as good as real-life bread? Digital bread! On an all-new Stone Age Gamer podcast, Dan and I bring you a very special birthday request episode all about bread. What good video games are out there in the world that feature bread? We intend to find out. Plus, car troubles abound, elec-head impressions, how to botch installing a Super NES into a new shell, and more. Be sure to catch the Stone Age Gamer podcast episode 442, Bubble Bobble Batman Bread. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ferg. Quansu dudes, that's what I'd say if I had impeccable taste in movies, which I do. That's how I know that Surf Ninjas is not only Rob Schneider's finest work, but a genuine masterclass in 90s filmmaking. It's got surfing, it's got ninjas, it's got it all. This time, in a theater near you, Sean, Chris, and myself watch the cinematic masterpiece that is Surf Ninjas, and enjoy a one-eyed man named Zatch... Leslie Nielsen as a cybernetic uh, warlord, a 30-year-old Rob Schneider attempting to pass for a high school student, and the assertion that money can't buy knives. Don't miss A Theater Near You, Episode 22, Surf Ninjas. For all this and more from us and our partners, be sure to keep your eyes on geekade.com. 
All right, we're back. We're back and better than ever. We have three more TV show picks to to cut through, to slice through, as it were. We look back on the wonderful, well, the wonderful year of television that was 20, 2022. It wasn't a wonderful year for a lot of reasons, but as far as TV is concerned, uh, it was pretty dang fantastic. So, Paul, hit us with your fourth show. All right, cool. Um, I'm hoping that this will be the last one that I do that you guys go, the what, that one? Because <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't think that you guys have seen this one. Um, but uh, I will say that, um, you know, even with my pairing of things down and trying to, you know, exclude some of the, like, Marvel stuff and the Star Wars stuff to, like, focus in on some some sort of things that, you know, that weren't as big and boisterous. Um, this one definitely would have been on my list no matter what. This was amazing. Um, so this was also on Peacock, um, and the show is called The Resort. The what? That one? <laughs> God damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so here's what, like, here's what I loved about this, right? Um. Uh, it, 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 I think hearkened a little bit to like stuff that you loved about lost. Um, it was like that kind of mysterious stuff, that kind of like cliffhangers where you're like, Ooh, I can't wait to see the next one. Um, you know, it called again. It's called the resort, the resort. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like with lost, you know, you used to watch one of those episodes and there would be a cliffhanger. And then you would be like, I can't wait to see what happens next. And then next week, when it came on, it would focus on a completely different character. And like the friggin' cliffhanger that you were waiting for, you wouldn't get back to like three weeks. <laughs> you know, and like by that time, you were like, what was happening? Um, this show, uh, you know, I feel like it was like eight or ten episodes. I can't, I can't remember. But it was like, it was like, it drove it forward. Like it was straightforward. Um, and it was, it was like, it was cliffhangers on each one and it was something i couldn't wait to watch each week um so it's uh two two um people a married couple that go to this resort and it's sort of like their marriage is in trouble they're trying to rekindle things um and one of them you're gonna know the actor because he's in that show that you all watch and that i don't watch called the good place um Hmm. african-american guy with Mm -hmm. short hair um, name is not coming to me, but yes. Okay. Um, so that guy is one of the characters and I don't, I don't know actually the woman who's the other character, but, um, but they're both amazing. Um, uh, she finds a, um, cell phone that's like old cell phone in the jungle. Um, uh, when they're out like dirt biking or like, you know, some activity that they're doing together, which you do at a resort. Um, so she finds this old cell phone. And then she sort of becomes, like, enthralled in the mystery of this. Like, what is this cell phone? And she, like, gets the SIM card out and puts it in a different phone and is, like, able to, like, crack what it is. Um, And it uh, belonged to uh, someone that went missing there 10 years before. Um, And they find out that there was two people, you know, a young man and a young woman that went missing there 10 years earlier. Uh, right before this giant hurricane hit the island. Um, and then after the hurricane hit the island, a naked body washed up on state, uh, on, on shore. Um, not either of these two people, but they think was related to them being missing. 
So it like sort of starts this whole mystery. And then the show gets told kind of like Lost, where it's like half of it is current what's happening with them looking into this mystery. And then the, you know, the next group of scenes will be flashbacks where the two people who went missing, you're seeing their story. Um, and you're watching this sort of up until these stories collide. Um, and there's some paranormal things. There's some crazy things. Uh, but like this thing kept me on the edge of my seat week to week. Um, and you should watch it because I said so. Wow. <laughs> It sounds really cool. Yeah, I've never heard of it, but that certainly sounds interesting to me. Uh, his name is William Jackson Harper, the the male star that you mentioned from The Good Place. Yeah, I don't know The Good Place, but I know everybody loves it. It's really good, Paul. I know. Says so in the name. <laughs> it's one of those things that Sherry watched without me, so like now I'm, I I, I will be forever behind on such a thing. Uh, it is an extremely satisfying show that concludes and everything, which is, you know, a rarity. That's super common. Yeah. It, it doesn't outstay, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It just tells the story that it needs to tell. It does it extremely well and then it ends. And I love it when TV shows do that. All right. I guess I'm next. You are next. And I'm going to go with the last of my original picks that were not stolen. Um,. If I had to pick one, like, big uh, Marvel property, it would be She-Hulk. Excellent um, pick. Yeah. Uh, Tatia's, Tatiana Maslany is, we all know, amazing. I hope we all know that. Paul, do you know that? I do know that. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's awesome. She did a great job. The, you know... The CG was fine, I think, for the most part. I'm I'm not a person who notices those sort of things, but I thought it was fine. Hey, it was fine. Could have been better, but it was it was not. Obviously, uh, the, a lot of the things people were complaining about were not really what they were complaining about, you know? Uh, I thought it was funny. I thought it was well done. Uh, I thought she was great. I thought all the supporting characters were great. Uh, I liked that their take on a, like reluctant superhero story of like somebody who just doesn't even want to like no interest whatsoever um their version of matt murdoch is like thank you jesus for finally bringing back the charlie cox daredevil <laughs> um but the way they did it was i don't <clears throat> as God, i understand it was ridiculous. their chemistry was fantastic mm -hmm. uh as I understand, it was also closer to the source material in terms of, like, snarkiness. Um, yeah. It was, it was just very well done. I think the hardest I laughed at anything this year was... I, kn I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Captain America. Fox! <laughs> oh, really? That was the thing you laughed at the hardest? The thing I, I laughed so goddamn hard at that I, I, th I thought you were going to say Madison and Wong. That was funny. That, that, I, that didn't hit me as hard as it, I feel like it hit everybody else. Everybody else oh. thought that was hysterical. And I was like, I thought it yeah, was that's, hysterical. that's a solid I, gag right there. I liked it. But no, when she, she just goes back, Captain America, oh. <laughs> Cracked <laughs> my shit up. Oh my god. Yeah, this show was this show was marvelous. I loved that it 
took direct aim at the people that were making fun of it for stupid reasons. Like the whole bit, they you know, breaking the fourth wall at the end and just, uh, I mean, this is a show about a, co a comic book character who once beat a villain by ripping the page out of the comic book that the, the villain was in. I mean, of course, this is how this show was going to end. And the, was the, what the, the Kevin Feige robot thing that was running. Everything. It was so absurd. It was, I, I just thought it was handled incredibly well. I, I don't think I could have been happier with a She-Hulk TV show. And yeah, Matt Murdock being back was great. I loved seeing this side of that character. Like he's wonderful at the dark, the constant dark and gritty, but that's not all Daredevil is like Daredevil is definitely that in the comics, but he's also very much this in the comics too. There is a lighthearted side of that character and it was portrayed uh, brilliantly here. Love the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. I, um, you know, I think if you made me pick between the Marvel things this year, I probably would have chose Ms. Marvel as my favorite over, over She-Hulk. Um, but that I, like, I still, great. yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think it was just, yeah, I think it was just sort of the content in Ms. Marvel, like I identified with more, but, um, but yeah, Ms. Um, She-Hulk was, was awesome. Uh, like you're, I, I'm totally on board with what you're saying about how it, like, almost how it anticipated what the bash, backlash would be, <laughs> and then, like, worked it into the story. Like, it was a, it was a little bit amazing. Um, like, considering as a thing that was so meta, like, the way it was able to, like, you know, harness that as it, as it went was cool. Mm -hmm. I th like, I thought it got off to a slow start. Like, the first two seems so expositional to me and I like I was still into it and it was funny because like there were so many people that were like angry about this me um but like I like I thought the way they started it was smart with the Hulk stuff because like when you when you brought in you know Banner and Abomination and stuff like that I was like oh like now we're like now we're starting to also be able to tell some of these Hulk stories that we weren't able to tell because, like, those movies don't seem to go very well um, mm -hmm. by, like, you know, by, like, launching into this TV series. Um, so, like, I thought that was handled smart, even though those two episodes were a little bit slow. And then once they started getting to the stuff where they were, like bringing in those other characters, you know, Wong and and mm -hmm. you know Daredevil and stuff like that. I was like, this show's amazing. Um, and then the end with the the Kevin robot and stuff. I think I was just sort of held back by not knowing the comic well enough to know, you know what I mean, like what to expect out of that. Um, mm -hmm. It was kind of a wacky ending, but um, this is extremely like, wacky. Yeah, like all in all, I like the show a lot. Yeah, I, a big part of the enjoyment came from watching dudes get mad on the internet about the show. <laughs> um, what did they ever? But also from, like, I think it's not a controversial thing to say there are far more male-led superhero things than women-led superhero things. So to get the opportunity for her to say, like, I'm able to control my Hulk powers uh, because I am, like, you know... I'm exposed and have rage inside of me that I have to control all the time because of who, because of being a woman in this world. 
Awesome. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> like we don't, we don't get to. I th- I feel like all the women who are listening to this, yes, they know that, and they don't get to say it. And this show got to say it for them, and I appreciated that greatly. Well, and all these weird, angry dudes were like. Why did she get to be stronger than him immediately? Why doesn't she have to do the things that he has to do? And it's like, because that's not the story, dipshit. Like, 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 we already saw that story. It was called The Incredible Hulk. If you want to see it, like, watch that movie. You know, like, this is, like, we we get to expositionally go past this because her story is going to be something different, you know? And I think the way that they were able to do that exposition quickly and um and tie it into her struggle was brilliant like it was, it was a brilliant move yeah like yeah. the show is called she hulk it's not called hulk with boobs yeah <laughs> yeah i loved i loved that very very much and yeah the the ability of them to just have the foresight of like i mean it's the most obvious thing in the world of course they they read twitter they know what they know what the fandom looks like so of course there were going to be those detractors for this show immediately. Um, and the, the way they wove it into the show and uh, the, everyone complaining about it. Just like Paul said, everyone complaining about like, Oh, how come she didn't have to, it's just like Ray in star Wars. Like, well, how come she didn't have to train to earn a blah, 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 blah. Like, She's a different character. She's a different person. She's not Bruce Banner. Not only that, she got Bruce Banner's blood from like years of, altering himself and everything like there's there's a bajillion reasons for this to be different and <laughs> and shut up and shut up yeah while you're at it shut up Ugh, shut up forever you, i mean if you want to start getting into this ray luke uh, you know argument like i don't know i don't know what the argument is but like conceivably luke could have trained on dagobah for like three weeks or like an afternoon <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway sorry anyway yeah, exactly. All right, don't good Chris, pick. Just go, don't get Chris started on Star Wars or <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bed. My, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, my next pick is one of the most recent shows we watched that just just floored me week after week, and that was Wednesday. I don't oh, think... man. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I feel like you didn't like this show. Um, I, did, I did not. I loved it. I loved it to death. I I found uh, the character to be relentlessly entertaining to watch. I uh, my 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 only real complaint with it was I didn't love the uh, the rest of the family. I didn't think I didn't think Pugsley was great. I did. I, I felt like Catherine Zeta Jones was really phoning it in. Like I know that we're stacking them up against <laughs> Angelica Houston and Raul Julia, but um. I was so into the plot of this, and I know it was very um, Harry Potter, young adult, kind of love story back and forth stuff. I didn't really care about that stuff. I just really liked... I liked the idea of Wednesday was such a supporting character in the original movies. You know, she had a pretty big role in the second one, but these moments of attempting to put a character that absurd into more real life situations is a hard thing to is isn't the right word but more more real life esque situations of like okay well what if this person is forced to deal with 
a lot of people all the time. Like, what if somebody who is this morose all the time is forced to be put in situations where, like, what is a teenager Wednesday like going to a school and stuff? Like, it was really interesting to watch, and I loved that roommate of hers, the 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 werewolf, the wooden wolf out. Uh, I loved their relationship with one another, and of course, I found out later that there's a whole crew of people that are actively shipping for the two of them to get romantically involved, and I wish the internet would just let people be friends. Like, you know what? Platonic relationships are great. I love seeing that shit in shows. Not everybody needs to fall in love and be gay. There can just be people that like each other as friends. But I I loved the way that th- that that character was able to get through to Wednesday and have these sort of human interactions, but in a very Wednesday Adams fashion, you know? Like it 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 definitely wasn't the Adams family. And it was a totally different kind of show because it wasn't the Adams family. It was Wednesday. And I I really, really appreciated it. I also thought that like Jenny Ortega's like her delivery of all those Wednesday everything. lines was just yeah, everything she did was magnificent. But like they never stopped doing those just like ridiculous one-liner responses of like Normally, I, 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 oh, and falling into a pit and being tortured. Normally, I would love that. Like, they never stopped doing those things. Um, but they, they, <laughs> they also did this great job of humanizing her. And I also was guessing the entire time of who the real bad guy was. I thought, um, uh, Gwendolyn Christie was fantastic. I thought all the other characters in the show are fantastic. I know a lot of people hated the monster designs, but I loved that they were so goofy looking like the monster they and the werewolves, the monster. None of it looked like your typical CG monster that was hyper realistic. They looked freaking goofy with giant googly eyes. I loved that because the Adams family is so in inherently goofy. Um, I loved the fact that she had this strained relationship with her mom because like, you know, I've only ever seen the movies and they all get along as a family. Um, so naturally Wednesday being a teenager and being so much like Morticia in a lot of ways, like I loved that they had this strained relationship and then kind of got to understand each other better. And uh, I just loved everything about this show. I was so freaking involved in it and uh, kept me guessing till the end. I thought the villain was, you know, kind of one note, but in a fun way. And I really just, I, I, I couldn't wait to find out what happened next. And the deaths were sad, you know, like they'd kill characters and I'd be like, oh, that is a, that, that's a loss right there. That's a bummer. I am, I'm sad that I'm not going to see that character anymore. Um, and I was also happy with certain characters that didn't die. It was, it was just great. I loved it. I hear what you're saying about the, the family, not like being a little bit off. And I feel like their defense against that is, well, it's not about the family. The show's about Wednesday. And they leaned a little too hard into that and let that be their, like, excuse to not have done a better job with those characters. I will say, I, I don't know. Fester was great. Fester was great. And That's what I, I was going to say. Fester was great. And I thought Gomez was pretty good. I mean, as far as, like, being more, I guess, comic accurate uh, to than uh, Raul Julia. 
to an extent, like I didn't have a problem with Gomez. Gomez was fine. It was really just um, Catherine Zeta-Jones that I just really felt like there was something there was something missing with her. And Pugsley was kind of a nothing character, but that's fine. Thing was also amazing. Yeah. I liked the, the, the stitching design on Thing, too. I thought it was pretty cool. But Thing in general was... I'm so glad that that character was so much of a part of it. And I loved that the introduction of... was I always remember her... forget her roommate's name. But like... Enid. Enid. Her first question was, where's the rest of him? And I've never thought about that before. <laughs> I just always thought he was a living hand. I never thought that he was... There was... He was once attached to a rest of a body. <laughs> I just never thought of that before. I thought that was so funny. Did, did we talk about this on the other podcast, or did we talk about it before we were rolling, and I just remember talking about it with you? We talked about it a little bit, and you had only seen, I think, the first couple episodes, I think. Like, the yeah. first two or three. I mean, I did stick with the whole thing. Like, I, I watched it all, even though I didn't enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I... I mean, look, I will say this. I I did think Jenny Ortega was amazing. Like, uh, she, yeah, she was so good. Like, she, um, she really, she nailed it with that character and she, uh, she, she didn't miss a beat with any of the stuff. I think my, you know, I think my issue was with the rest of it. You know, we talked earlier about what, you know, what lands for us and we're not part of that demographic anymore. Like, mm. I, I just, I think this show was not made for me and that's okay. Like not everything needs to be made for me. Like it's, it is okay. Um, yeah, it felt, it felt really CW -y to me. The, like the drama, I didn't like how Hogwartsian the, the school was, you know, I also think that the Adams family has to walk a re and again, I know it's not the Adams family. I know it's Wednesday. But like that style of humor has to walk this weird kind of line because it's it's got to be like like specific enough that it's creepy, but vague enough that it's not like murdery, you know. <laughs> and like I think this I think this show just treaded some 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 um, ground that like I I don't know I couldn't I couldn't get behind it and connect it connect the dots to what I like about the Adams family. No, it's, it, it's a bummer. I was, I was kind of hoping that if you had seen the rest of it, you would have, uh, it would have, would have grabbed you, but you know, not everything is for everybody. I, 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 I love the crap out of it. I was so enthralled by it, uh, with every episode. I couldn't wait to watch more. I also have to, can't let it go by without mentioning the actor who played, um, Tyler was his name, the normal kid from the town that they were teasing a romance between him and her. That actor pulled off a oh turn God. that n no one saw. Com <laughs> like the way he could change his personality 180 degrees on a dime. Was that bit at, like at the very end when she confronted him in the police, uh, the mm -hmm. police office, uh, the police station, police office, <laughs> <laughs> police station, uh, where he just just turned on a dime. It was like it was chilling. That that guy did Absolutely. a great job. Yeah, I loved it. I, I, loved I it. approve this pick, even if Paul doesn't. <laughs> I'll, I'll say no more about it. I don't want to be the I don't want to be the Debbie Downer of the group. That's okay. I you know <laughs> that is a okay. All right, uh, Paul, you're up next. Okay, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually gonna rearrange my last two so that I 
I hit you with a zinger at the end. Um, so let's see. My second to last pick um, is comedy. It's on Hulu. Um, I actually just discovered this. I think it aired back in like October or something, but I just found it a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, so I'm really into it. Uh, it's called Reboot. I have watched some of this. Okay. Not all of it, but I started it. Yeah, so it's... This is not the 90s CG animated show, right? I don't know what... There's a 90s CG animated show called Reboot? Yeah, 1994 is one of the first CG cartoons. It's It's got a fandom. <laughs> I don't know. It's like from 1994 and like it was before Transformers Beast Wars. Like it was no, a, that kind of thing. not that. Yeah, this thing is kind of like a sitcom, but like not... You know, not the. Oh, not it's got your... the crazy ex-girlfriend on it. Yes, it does have her in it. Yeah, it's like it's not like live audience sitcom style sitcom, although it's about the making of a sitcom. So that's like kind of part of it. Um, and it's not like the like kind of like Office. Um, you know, it's not kind of like the uh, yeah yeah the documentary style. It's just like it's just kind of like funny, straightforward half hour sitcom style comedy. Um, and, uh, the, I think the, the character you're talking about, the crazy ex-girlfriend, um, Rachel Bloom. Yeah. Her, she plays a writer and executive on Hulu meta again, meta again, um, <laughs> who is pitching a reboot of her favorite sitcom, which was called step right up. Um, or maybe not her favorite sitcom, but in a, a sitcom from like 15 years before called step right up where, uh, the um you know the ex-husband still lives there either in the garage or the basement and the stepdad moves in and like they all sort of like cohabitate together um so uh the the cast of the sitcom is um uh judy greer who's hilarious um johnny knoxville and keegan michael key um and then uh they bring in the original writer of the sitcom uh, who's played by Paul Reiser, and he kind of like horns in and takes over, and he's like, "This, you know, like this was my original content. Like I'm going to be involved in it." Um, and the the you know new writer, uh, she's real set on it being kind of like a more edgy thing, um, and there being a secret at the end of it. And the secret is that the you know the stepfather uh, that now moved in with this family left his old family and then you find out that Paul Reiser who is the original writer is actually her father and she is you know she is the family that he left um so like it gets real like it gets kind of like real uncomfortable and then like just when you think that like just when you think that it's like too uncomfortable and you can't watch it anymore it like really like reels you in with some hilarious shit like like i've like i've i've sort of never seen something turn on a dime as well as this does um and it's got other people in it that you love um carrie kennedy from the state is in it uh she's like the the mother of the kid that was um like you know that was like a kid on this show like when it started and now he's like in his 20s but he still like acts like a kid um you know, there's a like there's a lot of other um, you know, folks that show up that are like hilarious. Um, but yeah, this was like unexpected. This was one of those things where I was like, I'll try this show. 
and it turned out to be super good. I think I got about like five episodes into this. Um, and yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't, ask, I would probably not have pegged it as like one of my best shows of the year, but he definitely thought it was enjoyable. I love Rachel Bloom. Um, everybody in the cast is great. And I did think that dynamic of like her, the guy, the old writers versus the new writers. And then oh it turns God. out to be her dad was, yeah. uh, was really interesting. That reminds yeah. me of that subplot on Glow. Rest in peace. Mm. Yeah, R.I.P. Seriously. Yeah, I don't. God, I don't know good. a lot about. Like, I, I'm. I. I wouldn't say I'm like a Paul Reiser fan, but like, uh, dude, he's like. I mean, he's he's sort of really good as the sort of curmudgeonly old writer showrunner in this. Um, Karen, did you see the one where? in the writer's room, they have all the sort of like young Gen Z people. And then he brings in the like old, you know, yes. like, yeah. I oh my God. So funny. Like <laughs> so funny. And, and I, I enjoyed that episode and how they managed to, by the end to get to like a place of blending the two kinds of humor. Cause yeah. the, the Gen Z writers were a little too edgy and the, uh, the older writers were a little too hacky. But like together it worked. Yeah. And like the old writers were like constantly saying inappropriate things. <laughs> you know, right. Pissing everybody <laughs> off. Uh, um yeah, there was there was another um bit early on. I can't uh, yeah, I can't remember now, but it was like it was it was the way one of them ended, you know, where um you know the the crazy ex-girlfriend woman and then Paul Reiser can't connect and they literally he writes something in the show that says something to her like that mm -hmm. I, that was the episode that really hooked me in because everything was so volatile for a while and I was like ooh maybe I don't like this show and then right. all of a sudden that happened and I was like oh this is quite good so <laughs> yeah yeah, and it takes a. I think it takes a decent uh, talent to be able to walk that line, and I think that show the show does that well. I hadn't uh, really. I've seen uh, uh, ads for this once or twice just from clicking on IMDb, um, but I never really. I've, I've never seen anything on this show, but it does sound really interesting. I'd like to give it a try sometime. Yeah, I still have two or three more before I finish the season, but yeah, I'm into it. Wait. All right, Karen, what's your next pick? Uh, okay. Um, so I went to replace uh, the, the two that you guys had picked from my originals. And uh, when Paul mentioned before about Slow Horses, uh, it reminded me of a show that was not on my list that didn't, re the, the list of the shows that didn't make the cut originally. And, you know, vaulted its way to the top. Uh, Killing Eve season four was this year, and it was the conclusion of that story. Uh, I, we've been big fans of that since its inception. It's hard to say, like, it was amazing, but it was really solid. It tied up everything. Uh, it really kept you in it. Um, the woman who plays um not eve because i know chris is not a big um sandra o fan <laughs> that's one way to put it <laughs> uh 
But uh, the other woman, what's her face? Jodie Comer. Mm. And she just continues to be like, even if everything else in the show sucked, this would still be a good show because of her. Uh, but everything else in the show didn't suck because Harriet Walter is also in it. Or not Harriet Walter. Uh, Fiona Shaw. I get those two mixed up. Um, they did a lot about her backstory and how she was involved with the organization that like created these assassins. Um, and it, you know, if people had mixed feelings about the ending, I still have mixed feelings about the ending, but you can't say that it didn't end. Wait. It definitely ended and was like unambiguous. This show is about assassins. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think I haven't seen like a trailer or anything. I think I've just seen like pictures or something. You know, like a like a like a picture advertisement. I I thought this was I don't know. I thought this was about I, I don't know like housewives or something. Like I I didn't no. know what this was. Oh yeah, this is no. Uh, that it when it's as it starts out. Um, Sandra O oh is like she works for the CIA. I think. Oh. Um, and she's on the tail of this serial killer assassin, uh, Villanelle, who's played by Jodie Comer, and she is like a chameleon. She can change her accent, her whole appearance, everything about her to just get into any place she needs to be and kill who she needs to kill. And so as it starts out, Sandra O oh is like, I'm going to find this person and I'm going to, you know, bring them to justice. And the more she gets involved in it, the more she kind of gets just brought into this crazy web of conspiracy and like be kind of befriends the assassin woman. They have this weird relationship um, that it, it ultimately com- culminates in the two of them trying to work together to bring down the organization that created all these assassins. Um, it's it's a really fantastic story. Uh, I wouldn't say it stuck the landing completely, but uh, I was happy with the ending. That that sounds like something I want to watch. Yeah, you definitely want to watch do. it. <laughs> you I... like murdery things. <laughs> yeah, I do. I did not really like this season. I was I was pretty bored for a lot of this season. It's still, but it, but it's exactly like Karen said. Even though I didn't really like most of what was happening this season, it didn't matter because then Jodie Comer would be on screen, and whatever she's doing is fantastic. Um, I I really I didn't I didn't get the ending. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I I I wasn't feeling it this last season, but I don't enjoy Sandra O oh at all, and I fr- think this show is phenomenal. So there, that's that's about the highest praise I could possibly give it. Like this is a really interesting uh, interesting show with a lot of really good characters. And um, while I didn't care for this last season too much, I can definitely still recommend it overall. And yeah, definitely give this one a shot. Nice. Okay, well, um, God, there's like three more shows I really want to talk about, but uh, the last one, I just want to say I'm more happy that it exists than anything, so I'll, I'll give that a special, uh, if you have like a runner-up or anything you want to throw in at the very end, 
we'll 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 do that. But my number five that I found genuinely captivating. Uh, I like all the Marvel shows. I like every everything MCU, like official MCU that it has existed. I've I've enjoyed to some extent. I've I've not disliked any of it. Um, but I found myself utterly captivated by Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. I, Oscar Oscar Isaac's was freaking phenomenal in this show. Um, the plot was a little wacky, but I, I you know I didn't really care. I I. <laughs> like there's a lot of things you could point to and be like, there must have been an easier way to find like what the night sky looked like besides, you know, moving the night sky. <laughs> I feel like that would have some pretty catastrophic effects on the rest of the world. But, you know, I I, I don't care. I just don't care. Everything was was really cool. I I loved everyone's performance in the show. I love the weird hippo lady. I loved the fact that there was the third personality at the end. I, I thought Ethan Hawke made for a really interesting villain. I loved Khonshu. I I loved how friggin' disorienting the show was because, you know, the character was disoriented. So I, 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 I was I was enthralled by this show. I really was. It was my favorite of the uh the Marvel shows that hit this year. Um nothing against She Hulk and Miss Marvel. I freaking love both of those shows. Like to the moon and back, but Moon Knight was just a uh, Moon Knight was really something special for me, and I really want to see more of that character uh, in the MCU. I just i i I thought he was wonderful, and I just can't wait to see where it goes from here. I guess I won't compare Marvel properties to like pizza or sex to say like even when they're not that good, like they're still like <laughs> pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I, I liked Moon Knight overall. I th- I think that if I went back and watched it again, I would probably like it even more because I felt like so much. I, I guess hopefully hopefully you're not spoiling anything when we say this. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Sorry, but like um uh the end when the you you it was revealed there was like a third person in there. I was like oh like. Like so many things clicked for me at that moment, <laughs> and I I kind of just want to go back and watch it again, you know, knowing that. See, Evan, uh, who's usually in in your position on the show, is like the biggest Moon Knight fan on the planet. So when this show was being made, we were all very nervous for him. Um, <laughs> but and he really liked it. Um, I don't think he. I don't know. I don't think he liked it as much as I did. Um, but that's because Moon Knight is an extremely versatile character just by the nature of the character. But we all knew that Moon Knight was supposed to have three personalities all the time. Um, you know, just from by proxy of being near Evan, you learn a certain amount of Moon Knight information, but also just from uh, reading about him in comics from time to time. So, like, I kept looking for is that third personality in there. Are they going to, like, pull a surprise you know, is the third guy going to show up in some way, shape, or form? Because, like, the personalities in this one were kind of, like, weird, not quite the same versions of those personalities as they are in the comics. So it's like, are they going to ignore it entirely, or are they playing some weird game? Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love this show. I also like this show. Sorry, <laughs> I got distracted for a second. Um, 
I got worried for a minute. I was like, are you guys going to start fighting about this show? I was like, Karen <laughs> is very quiet about Moon Knight. No, uh, no, I thought it was great. I went in knowing nothing and, and loved it. Uh, Oscar Isaac's fantastic. Um, those, like, especially those early moments where uh, whichever personality it was that, like, was the normal guy and didn't have a clue what the F was going on and he was all confused. Those those scenes were just so entertaining. Um, action was great. I loved the the woman. Oh my god, she was so cool. And like, there, I need her in other things too. Her oh, crazy yeah. owl personality was what the hell? The scarab. Yeah. Yeah, I need more of her too. Scarlet scarab. Scarlet scarab. Yeah, pile on more of her, please. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, even what's his face, the villain. I'm not usually busy. It was Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I can't remember the villain's name either, but he was apparently, like, a villain that showed up in exactly one Moon Knight comic eons ago. Like, <laughs> Marvel's done zilch with this character since, like, the 70s, and all of a sudden he's the main villain of this TV show, Moon Knight. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself the biggest Ethan Hawke fan, but I thought he did a great job with that character. So, yes, bravo. No arguments here. No, no, no marital discourse or nice. discord Whew. just regular just regular run-of-the-mill distraction <laughs> <laughs> yes just me trying to figure out what the hell i'm gonna pick for number six <laughs> all right well paul what's what is your grand finale what's your number six my grand finale i um you know again if we if we had planned this out and we had talked to each other uh i probably would have put this after uh karen talked about stranger things um, but, uh, this, this sort of scratches the same itch for me. And, uh, uh, I think that's why it's my grand finale, um, uh, which was paper girls on Amazon prime. Huh. Uh, it definitely, uh, harnesses the energy of that, like kids on bikes in the eighties, uh, you know, um, uh, niche that you got going there. Um, I also read, the comic book um for paper girls uh i am a big fan of brian k vaughn um and honestly like when i read that story i was i kind of thought that was a thing that they weren't going to be able to adapt you know like there's a there's a lot of stuff that he's written where he's been sort of upfront about being like i i I did this so someone wouldn't make a movie of it or, or wouldn't make a tv show of it um but uh you know, Paper Girls, uh, like, I, I, I gotta respect the, like, sort of what they're doing with it, you know, because I think if you were to, to stick closely to the comic books, it would, it would feel sort of rushed and, um, haphazard. Um, and I think, like, you know, they figured out a way to, like, sort of do more character development with these four, young women um who are all freaking amazing in the show uh and then also like that you know they can go to other times than just the you know the the times that they travel to in the comics um and i feel like the show's already starting to expand that a little bit um uh where season one ended i think season one ended right about where volume two ends in the comic books um and then the comic books are also like really bright, really, um, 
like kind of like the 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 illustration style of them is is really like not um you know not realistic it's like it's like sort of bright neony colors and like you know like crazy crazy shapes and deep colors and stuff um and like they kind of bring that look in when you know when they time travel or when the like vortex opens or something like that like you know the sky will turn like purple or something um it's it's just like really beautiful and it kind of you know it like harkens back to the thing that i like so much about the comics so um yeah like uh paper girls is my is my grand finale and it's you know i felt like it was was close to rivaling what i liked about stranger things it's i've heard so many good things about this show um and so i did give it a try i I think I watched, I definitely watched one, maybe two, and it just wasn't for me. I just couldn't get into it. I don't know what it was. I just, it was like disorienting. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I couldn't like relate to any of the characters. I just, it just wasn't for me. And I'm sorry, Paul. It's a no, good that's thing okay. we're not married, I guess. I, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I said a couple times, like, you know, I, I realized that, you know, Things aren't for me, and that's okay. So it's if that's not for you, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but clearly I'm in the minority because like lots of people love this show. Yeah, I'm I'm completely unfamiliar with this show. I know nothing about. It. I didn't know it was based on a Brian K. Vaughn thing. Um, fascinating. I I, you, I got nothing. I, I would lend you the comic books, but you're gonna tell me you don't have time to read them. So it's true. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe the issue, part of the issue might have been I didn't really get to the time travel, at least not the part where they like, like they there was a little bit in what I watched, but it was sort of very chaotic and not controlled. Um, and it was just, I just found it confusing. And I think maybe if I'd given it one more episode, maybe I would have uh, gotten into it a little better because God knows I'm a time travel fan. I'll tell you what, Karen. I'm going to lend you the comic books, and I'm going to see what that <laughs> yields. Um, I, think, I think that okay. that's going to yield some success. <laughs> you may not know my history with comic books, but okay. <laughs> Look, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to give it a try. I'm going to, he's going to turn your whole life around. You'll see. All right. <laughs> that's living the dream. All right. Well, what's your, what's your number six, Karen? No. Uh, Paul, keep talking. <laughs> like five shows that I could pick. Um, okay, fine. <laughs> That's not what you want for your big finale show. Um, but having missed, uh, keep in mind my original list included Mrs. Maisel and our flag means death. And so I am happy that you know, those crossed on other people's lists because it gives me an opportunity to talk about other shows. Um, well, you did Our Flag Means Death. Not Our Flag Means Death. Peacemaker, Peacemaker was the Peacemaker, other one. Peacemaker, right, right, right. Um, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> um, but I think that the other show that I would want to talk about from this year is uh, League of Their Own. Um, oh. It was a really interesting adaptation. Uh, it was not at all. I mean, we already. I already talked about it on this show once before. But it was. It's not. It's in the same universe as the movie, but has nothing else to do with the movie. There's still the girls' baseball league, 
Um, but none of the original characters are in it. Um, the the like the leads, all all of the girls on the team, they were all like different, interesting characters. They dealt with a lot more social issues than the movie dealt with, like things that would have been prevalent in that time that the movie just kind of glossed over to make a nice story about girls playing baseball. Um, like racism and, you know, queer characters and all of this stuff. Um, and I thought it did, did a really good job. Um, Darcy Carden from The Good Place was amazing on it. Um, and as as was everybody else did a great job on it too. Um, and I liked how they handled the, you know, there there weren't any uh, women of color allowed on the team. There actually did end up being, uh, I think she's a Puerto Rican character, but she passed as white, so like nobody questioned it, even though she didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they had this whole other separate storyline dealing with the black characters that lived in the town, and one of whom was like an amazing pitcher, but just was not allowed to have a chance. And so... You know, they dealt with her whole, you know, finding her own way into getting to getting an opportunity to to play baseball and discover herself as a person. Um, so I, you know, I thought it was really well done, and I I would be I'm excited to see more of it next year. Good job, Amazon Prime. Way to not bungle a beloved um, IP. But does it have? A Tom Hanks character that pees for like three minutes straight. It does not. There is a uh, a manager who is played by Nick Offerman, um, and he's oh, not well, there for he's not there for very long. While he's wow. there, he is uh, he's great to watch. Although he's not like the most likable character, kind of a bastard, um, because he's a man dealing with a bunch of women in the sixties, like you know it was just or not the, not the 60s the 40s um even worse so you know by nature of the character but he's still nick offerman you um, had me and, at nick offerman and he uh, and he's shaven like he's no beard and mustache or anything so that's weird mm-hmm. um but he like disappears halfway through the season and then part of the story becomes there there's no there's no other manager hired to like fill the vacuum. So they're, it's kind of left to the team to figure out what they have to do. And, and that becomes a really interesting thing to see the different players, like try on that role and see who does the best with it. And it's a bunch of women who are used to being like ignored and subjugated and domestic. Um, and there it's their first shot at leadership. So that's uh, that's a pretty cool thing to see. So I know Chris, you didn't watch this. It doesn't sound like Paul, you you saw it either. I didn't watch it, but that didn't mean I didn't want to watch it. And also, like you know, like there's a lot of t there's a lot of things that are older, you know, that were movies that are now getting adapted into TV shows. And mm-hmm. like that seem that one seems like it's got a lot of uh, ground it can cover, and that it would be a pretty cool TV show, like. Um, especially hearing you explain it, like it sounds 
That sounds honestly like it would make a better TV show than movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I could say better because I really do love the movie so much. But the, it, it at least knew that it couldn't do the same thing that the movie did. That it couldn't like capture that lightning in a bottle again. It had to be something different. And it definitely achieved that. Yeah, the little bit that I've seen of this has was, I thought, really good. Um, just jarring how very different it is. Like, it was... It it's strange that it was even called a league of their own. Like, obviously, you're gonna make a a show about women playing baseball during that time period. You, I guess you would you just kind of have to. Okay, well, why not call it a league of their own, even if it is just tonally so completely different? But uh, I I, I the little I saw, I thought was really cool. Yeah, I, I and um. It's it's escaping me what I want to compare it to other things that were movies that are TV shows. But I guess what I was going to say is like, I think, I think the things, the TV shows that I've found to be most successful with that are the things that don't try to be the movie, you know, that try Mm to um, make it their own story, you know? So that sounds, you know, it, it sounds like it's, Sounds like it's doing the right thing. It it is, and if you were interested in it, I would say go for it. Cool, nice. We'll do. All right. Well, uh, my my last pick, surprising nobody who listens to this show, was uh, Andor. Uh, I am I am a self proclaimed Star Wars whore, and this was a phenomenal year for Star Wars content. I mean going all the way back to the very, very beginning of the year. Um, I mean, it technically started in Dece- on December 29th, but we, we kicked things off with the tremendously flawed Book of Boba Fett, which uh, I loved, despite the fact that it had some very serious problems. Uh, just from a structural standpoint, the show was a bit of a mess, but I... At the end of the day, I got Boba Fett riding a Rancor into battle, and uh, the, I'll that... tell you, I like the book of Boba Fett a whole lot better when it turned into the Mandalorian two point five, right? And that's that was uh, if they had just called this show like the Mandalorian colon the book of Boba Fett, I feel like I would have felt a lot better about it because it just turned into the Mandalorian for a couple episodes there. Yeah. Like it was, it, this was such a problematic show. It was not well put together. But damn if I didn't love every ounce of it. Just except that one scene where the sand people were dancing in the desert for like what felt like 15 solid minutes. Like, all right, we get it. This is cool that you're doing what you're doing. But like, just rain it back a tiny bit. Uh, Book of Boba Fett. And then we got that Obi-Wan show, which I thought was phenomenal. I loved young Leia. I loved everything between Obi-Wan and, and Vader. Um, Reva was an interesting character, maybe not pulled off perfectly. Like the whole thing where she went after Luke at the end was like, raises a lot of questions about what did she think was, how did she connect those dots? What did she think she was going to do there? Didn't really make a lot of sense. But again, I forgive a lot when things are cool and Obi-Wan was really cool, but nothing in the universe could have prepared me for Andor because this just like uh what the hell was i talking about earlier of um uh peacemaker 
like you gonna make a show out of this guy <laughs> i mean all right it says star wars on it so i'm sold but like I didn't think Cassian Andor was the most interesting thing about Rogue One. I didn't dislike Cassian Andor. I was sure I'll watch a show about this guy, but it seems like a weird thing to make a show about Cassian Andor of all people. I never in a bajillion years could have imagined that it would have been as effective as it was. I thought this show was nothing short of a goddamn masterpiece. I was this, there was this whole like, argument going on in the world of entertainment um media talking about like oh which show's gonna be better house of the dragon or lord of the rings because they're both gonna be amazing and like i thought both of them were pretty okay like i wasn't really blown away by either of them i i think i enjoyed lord of the rings a little more than house of the dragon overall but uh, neither of them were like just grinding my teeth week to week but andor was like Holy shit, it started off kind of, me being a Star Wars whore, I was hooked right away, but like, it started off like, doing all this, all this world building stuff, and it wasn't all that interesting. It was interesting to me as a Star Wars guy being like, oh, this is an angle of Star Wars I haven't seen before, but like, it didn't really pick up, but god damn when it did, like, the, the friggin' This was also one of the strangest experiences where, like, pretty much all of Star Wars Twitter was united behind this show, which never happens. Because st nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans, but pretty much everyone who was watching this and talking about it online were, like, after the, when, uh, what was it, never more than 12? Like, it, everyone was talking about that. And it was freaking amazing. Like, the, the prison break scene, the the... The, the whole heist that they did when they stole the uh the, they stole the the payroll from the empire the way that they made the empire so terrifying in a different kind of way of just so much more tactile and realistic this is how you get here kind of a way of like no this is how fascism like this works they just it's death by a, a thousand paper cuts they just slowly 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 beat you down until they rule everything and like that serial character who is like uber creepy and like the, the you're rooting for that empire lady in the beginning like i'm rooting for her. i don't want to root for the empire but like i really want her to succeed and then just she gets what she wants and she's just as vile as everybody else it's like oh shit this show had me rooting for this person to succeed at her job and then i didn't even realize that her job to be good at it, she's got to be fucking awful. And the the freaking torture scene where it was just you don't hear anything, you just see that woman's reaction to the torture. Like there were so many the freaking monologues of uh, Cassian's mom that at the end where they cut out her saying "fuck the empire," uh, instead they changed it to "fight the empire." Um, Luthen's amazing speech. Just Luthen as a character is so interesting because like. He's not a good guy. He's, but he's resigned himself to not be a good guy because he's convinced that he can't be a good guy in order to make the good guys win. It's, I was floored by this show week after week. I could not wait to see more of it. And granted, I am a Star Wars whore, so I'm predisposed to like this kind of stuff. But I mean, Tales of the Jedi was also really freaking good, but nothing I thought even came close to Andor this year as far as just 
how riveted I was by a TV show. I I just loved it to death. I uh, I liked it. I don't want you to think I didn't like it. Like, I think it, I know you weren't into it at first. Well, you know, like I think no matter what I say, it it was really good and really well done, and it um, I, I think it dug depths that you previously haven't seen in star Wars. Um, and, uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. The, the, um, payroll heist, the prison break, um, a lot of it, uh, you know, a lot of it was, was really cool. And, um, and like, like I also, uh, like one of the things I thought was so interesting about it was, the the way in which you're watching the empire sort of realize that it maybe it doesn't have its shit together you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like when it starts they it's inconceivable to them that there could even be factions banding together that would oppose them um and and that they're so big and bureaucratic that they're that they're sort of bound to fail in a lot of ways, you know? So there was, there was definitely threads of it that I was like, so into, um, by Cassie's the speech t- about that too, where he was telling that, telling that kid dude's writing the manifesto. He's just like, they don't, they don't think about you. They don't care about you at all. Like they're not threatened by you because you, you don't exist to them. You're nothing to the empire. I, I I'd love that bit. Yeah, it, it it was it was definitely cool. Um uh I, I think if I were to to give it some criticism, I think it could have been two episodes shorter, you know. I think it what was it? Was it twelve or was it I guess it was twelve episodes I think it could have been ten. Um uh and then like the way some of it unfolded was just um you know, like like the, I think the thing that made it feel so un-Star Wars-y is, like, even if you're getting, you know, this sort of, like, death by bureaucracy or these, like, um, you know, these um, sort of tales of hope where uh, you're watching the rebellion form or whatever, right? Then it's, you know, it's cut together with, like, space wizards and, you know, and, like, uh, you know, smuggler pirates and stuff like that, so... There's other stuff that you're watching. Like, this was just that story. So then when it zeroed in on some of these things, like, if I had to watch that dude with the overbearing mom pour himself more blue milk and eat breakfast <laughs> in that kitchen anymore, I was going to, like, strangle myself. Like, there was there was stuff about it that could have been, I think, more concise and more, um, just, like, just laid out in a way that that flowed better. You know, like... um. I, I thought it was so weird that they do that heist thing and then he ends up in that in that prison, you know, like there was there was stuff about his story that um was weird the way it unfolded. But by the same time, I did think it was funny that they were all out looking for him and technically they had him. You yeah, know what I mean? That, <laughs> like <laughs> they like, just didn't even know that they had yeah, him. Like highlighting bureaucracy right there, you know. <laughs> I th- I agree with what you're saying about the the Cyril and his mom thing. Um, I think that was uh, a symptom of the way this show 
evolved from what it was originally intended to be. Like there was the original intent that was that there was going to be a lot more of the show, I think in a, in a different kind of structure. And, but also knowing that it was already like season two was already happening. Like there was no, there, it wasn't even in question of whether or not there was going to be more of the show, uh, which I thought was a really bold move on, on Disney's behalf because nobody was watching this show when it started. Um, so I'm, I'm glad it caught on, but, uh, the fact that it was, it was immediately greenlit for two seasons that we don't really, we didn't really get much of a payoff, uh, for Cyril. Uh, I love his weirdo friend. Um, we watched the, uh, the Nerdist recaps and they kept cutting back to his weirdo friend saying pockets in the first episode of the show, which I thought was funny. Um, pockets of rebellion fomenting. Uh, so I, I love that they brought that guy back, but yeah, the serial thing was kind of a weird uh, non-payoff for the show, and if there was a a weak part of it, they did spend a lot of time with with him. It felt like forever with him uh, eating cereal at his mom's house, but it was I I I can't I I know it's building towards something. I don't know what that is that they're building towards with cereal because like clearly they are doing something with him. Um. I did think it was interesting just seeing how utterly miserable his life is. And like, this guy is just such an empire bootlicker. And then you go home and you see just the, the, the utter misery of his life. And like you, you almost feel bad for him, but you, you can't feel bad for him because he's, he's horrible. The way he was stalking the, the, the other empire lady. I can't remember her friggin' name either but she was like the actors was amazing she was outstanding in the show but like this serial character i don't know what they're building towards with him and they didn't really do a good job of making that feel worth our time in in this in season one like just because there was no real payoff with him so yeah i get that <laughs> It's it, it definitely wasn't a perfect show. It was a perfect show for me. Um, <laughs> that is really what what it gets to. Like it hit all of my notes and the little you know the the couple things that I felt that it didn't do right. They mean nothing to me because I just loved everything it did right so goddamn much more. Like just like like Book of Boba Fett or even even Obi Wan. Like I freaking love that Obi Wan show. The chase sequence in the woods makes no sense. It was. Yeah. There's no way you're going to convince me that the, all these grown ass adults weren't able to keep up with a six year old kid running through the woods. Like the dude who hit the ran into the tree branch. Like it's not a wall. Just keep walking. What are you doing? Like it was so hilariously poorly put together, but I didn't give a shit because the rest of the show just, it just made it work for me. Just made I don't, it work. I don't think any of them are perfect shows. Like certainly a book of Boba Fett wasn't a perfect show. Um, you know, the Obi-Wan thing had some, had some problems. Um, you know, I think, I think Andor had some problems. I think, you know, I think if you put a gun to my head and you made me choose, I probably would have chose the Obi-Wan show over the other ones just because, and like, that wasn't a story I was looking forward to, but when I saw it, I was like, this is more of what I love about Star Wars. Like if I can, Mm. if, if. If you look if if we look at all three of them that tread completely different ground, like I've realized that that that's 
that's the thing I most identify as, you know, as wanting more of Star Wars. The sort of, like, you know, Obi-Wan, uh, you know, what is the Force, you know. The Jedi Obi-Wan stuff. versus Vader, yeah, Jedi, Jedi versus Sith. That's, Did you that's, happen to watch the the Tales of the Jedi at all? No, I just, the cartoons. Sometimes I'll sometimes I'm in, sometimes I'm not. Mm-hmm. This was it was it was very miniseries, very very short. There's very little of it, but it was really also very very interesting. It showed the it showed how um, Count Dooku went from Jedi to Sith, which was mm. a really interesting story. Um, but I mean, just just for me personally, I I I was so floored by Andor. Um, I, I I can definitely recognize that it had some flaws, but I also think that as a show, I I feel like it it just got it. Even if you're not into Star Wars, I felt like you could watch this and get something out of it because it was just such enthralling storytelling. Like the the friggin' prison episodes were just like, goddamn! <laughs> like I was. <laughs> so so interested in it so it it was it was i loved obi-wan i I loved you know i loved book of boba fett like you know a ridiculous drawing your kid makes that doesn't really make a lot of sense you know but i loved it with all my heart um (laughs) and i love tales of the jedi i love most star wars things but um i really thought andor was was just astronomical to me nice i don't have a lot lot to say about Andor that you haven't said already. Um, I obviously liked it or I would be kicked out of this house. <laughs> um, but I will say what is interesting to me that uh, as you're pointing out some of the issues with the pacing um, that that's interesting to me because when we watched we watched the, uh, the heist episode for this podcast not that long ago and we had Chris had a difficult time picking which episode out of the twelve to to bring Evan and Angie into the show who hadn't really seen any of it. Um, and that was such a compelling episode when you watched all five before it. But watching it it's on its own, it was like they had issues with it. Um and I think that speaks to how well a lot of the pacing did work. As much as I, I agree with the criticism about the serial arc being kind of slow and um, too much, uh, I think a lot of the rest of the, the structure of the season really did work to build um, in a way that was like n- new and different for Star Wars, I think. Yeah, I'll yeah. always love the Jedi stuff, but anytime Star Wars expands what Star Wars can be, I'm usually pretty happy about that too. And I know the thing was a slow burn and, uh, and I think that was what was successful about it. The, the amount of time they took setting things up and the amount of care they took. I just think it could have burned a little faster sometimes, you know, like <laughs> that's fair. It, yeah, look to it, two episodes faster. <laughs> that's my, <laughs> that's my, uh, that's my feedback for them. <laughs> that, the the revolution at the end, people literally beating the Empire to death with the brick made of Marva's ashes was so fucking <laughs> awesome. Uh, loved it. Alright, um, well that should just about wrap it up. We've been at this for a while, but I feel like we've we've all got to have at least one or two honorable mentions, so 
uh, just we're not going to have big discussions. Quick honorable mentions. Paul, do you have anything else you really wanted to mention? When I narrowed it down to 11, um, before I narrowed it down to 6, uh, what was on my list was Reacher. And I know that this is probably just me because I've, I've read these books and, you know, whatever. But, like, I really liked that show. I thought, uh, you know, I thought that guy was cool. Um, I think I mentioned Shining Girls when I talked about Slow Horses. Um, uh, <laughs> Bumper in Berlin, but mostly as a joke. Um, uh, I swore we you just... were going to come on this podcast and yell at me for not having watched it yet. I'm sorry, no, I haven't. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, uh, I just finished. We just finished Three Pines on um on uh Prime, and that is pretty amazing. Um, you know, it's uh, uh Alfred Molina. You know, Doctor Octopus mm-hmm. off in a in a small Canadian town solving crimes. Um, so, uh, that was pretty good. And then like, I, I don't know where you guys are landing on this. It, the, 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 um, the internet seems to be angry at this show. Like the internet seems to not like it, but I'm kind of enjoying Willow. Is Am I the only one? No. Nope. Okay. You're not the only one that I'll, I'll mention that in a minute. That's my, that was my, uh, uh, honorable mention. Like I'm super into it and it seems like. I, I read things and like everybody seems angry about it. And I'm like, what? Like, I think it, it seems pretty good to me. There's a very vocal chunk of people who are angry at it because it stars lesbians. Oh, is that why? That's why. Okay. I mean, you know, that's really why. It's 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 what the point ultimately always boils down to. But yeah, I mean, it's making some choices for sure. But uh, I'll I'll expand on that in a minute. Uh, Karen, what about you? You got any, uh, um, honorable mentions? I do. Was that it for you, Paul? Oh. Yeah, that's it for me. Okay. Um, I watched the, uh, Julia Child biopic show. That was great. Um, we all sort of flirted around talking about how great Ms. Marvel was without actually choosing it. And so, yeah. Um, I had Sandman on my list. I didn't pick it, but I do want to just give it an honorable mention, if only because it it's an adaptation, a TV adaptation of a comic uh, by my favorite author that I never could get into the comic, but I got into the show. Um, so that's kind of a, a masterful feat, in my opinion. Um, and we talked a lot about all the fantasy shows that we watched but we didn't pick any of them but i thought rings of power was freaking great super fun um and then there were (laughs) this this was so early far back but bridgerton season two um (laughs) i love that show and i love yelling at the stupid dummies on it Um, and Only Murder Season 2. How did they take oh, yeah. a show that should have oh, been yeah. one season and somehow make more out of it and make it so good? <laughs> that was great. Um, yeah. I don't know, but they did, and they did a great job with it. So those are my, those are mine. Also, to be fair, like, I'm not going to say I didn't understand the assignment, but, like, uh, I think a lot of what I chose were things that started this year instead of things that continued this year. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, only murders. Uh, yeah, like yeah, it shows um, outstanding. Blow me away. 
Uh, let's see. All right. So yeah, my other, my honorable mention, I almost made Willow my pick instead of Moon Knight, but like, I feel like I liked Moon Knight as a show more than I'm liking Willow because Willow's, Willow's got some, got some problems, but I'm freaking loving it. And I just love the fact that there's more Willow content in the world. The, the movie never got any sequels or even a comic adaptation or nothing. And I loved that movie as a kid. And I'm finding the show to just be super fun. It's, it's, it's not trying to be amazing. It's just good. It's just fun, entertaining. I don't love all the music choices. <laughs> um, sometimes the, the credits roll and I'm just like, oh, oh, that's a, that's a choice. But uh, no, I think, I think the show's great. I, I well, think it's you know what? That's like that's something I zeroed in on. I think there are times that the tone in the show changes, mm-hmm. a to be more like comedic and weird, right? Like like sometimes that you know, uh, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you're up to date with it, but um, I think it was last week's episode where there was sort of the montage of Borman, you know, like yeah, we just haven't we're off. up to date. We just haven't watched tonight's episode because we're doing yeah. this. We just I just finished it before I jumped on with you. Um, yeah, like, you know, there's stuff that seems like where the tone kind of changes. Um, and that, um, and, and I think the music is part of that, you know, like sometimes you watch this like fantasy thing and then it ends, you know, and you're listening to like enter Sandman or something, you know, (laughs) and like, I'll, I'll say that was like jarring a little bit, but then I think of the fact that like the original content was one freaking movie. Yeah. You know, in the eighties. And it's like what it like what is it? There's there's nothing that's sacred or even um or even setting a precedent to say that you can't break these things. You know, like if you were to watch a thing that was Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or whatever, and then all of a sudden the tone of it was drastically different than this like multi movie thing, you'd go like, Ooh, this this is a little off. But for me, like, the Willow thing, it's just, like, it's just, you know, just trying to find its voice. It's just trying to be what it is. Mm-hmm. And, like, some, like the music and some of that stuff doesn't bother me at all. Like, it's actually kind of grown on me. And the original movie's goofy as shit, too. So, like, yeah. the original movie's not, it's, it's got some major flaws. Like, love story between Mad Go- Mad Martigan and Sources. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. But still, who cares? It's it, it's good times, and I I love Warwick Davis. He's great. There is a little bit of a, a Val Kilmer sized hole in my heart watching it. Um, uh, I mean, I do hope they find a way to, you know, just have him show up, even if he like doesn't talk and he is trapped in a bubble or something like that. But um, before the uh, show came out, they said on no uncertain terms that Val Kilmer was involved in some way that was meaningful. That's I don't know what it means, but. We're going to get something at some point. And I, I want to know what that is. But Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to just mention uh, Cobra Kai Season 4. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. I forgot that happened. It's, uh, <laughs> it is time for that show to end. Okay? It's got to stop after the next season. Because it's just pushing right up against, like, the show was phenomenal for the first three seasons. And season 4 was very good. I was very interested in it. But it's it's time, guys. Don't let this go on. To, don't let it overstay its welcome because it's right up against that door right now. Please do it for me. Well, um, you know what? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say something big here. Okay, 
a couple times in the course of tonight, I pointed out, like, this show does this thing, and it's not for me, but that's okay. Um, I will say Cobra Kai, season four specifically, really leaned in hard to the, like, let's bring back people from the 80s and kind of leaned away from the story of the kids, Uh which was kind of the stronger thing and the thing that I think was propelling it forward, like you focusing on this next generation of of kids and their story. So I think Cobra Kai is making it for me, and it probably should stop doing that. (laughs) Exactly. It should stop in general, but yes, I 100% agree with what you're talking about. Uh, I I want to call out um oh where'd it go I'm looking at my list now uh Resident Alien continues to be a very good show uh I I feel like it doesn't get enough attention but it's it's on sci-fi it's it's really quite good um oh uh, yeah I'm shocked shocked I tell you that you didn't mention Umbrella Academy season three me yeah <gasps> yeah um. It didn't come up in my research, and now I feel like a failure. <laughs> I know Umbrella Academy is like one of your favorite shows, so I'll I'll throw that in. I Thank love you. the show. It's just nowhere near. Uh, I don't know. I don't love it anywhere near as much as Karen does, and that's fine. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, Umbrella Academy's great. Season three was great. Um, you can go ahead and swap out Killing Even season four for Umbrella Academy. There season you go. Three. <laughs> D- Dunzo. Um. Uh. Lock and Key concluded. Uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it anywhere near as much as I love the book, but I, I thought it was cool. Um, and uh, I have to call out Dragon Prince season four because it's been literally years since season three of the Dragon Prince. And uh, the show writing wise didn't skip a beat. Uh, the writing and the acting still is great. The animation uh, took a hit. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Netflix's animation budget things, but uh, I was really happy to have that show back. and. Yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Great freaking year for TV. Oh, and Law and Order came back. It wasn't great, but it came back. It was still Law and Order. It came back with two seasons this year. What the hell was that about? There's a whole other season I haven't watched yet because, like, we made it through season 21 that came out in February and then season 22 in September. So, I don't know. Uh, And they also lost anthony anderson for between season 21 and 22 so i'm not too crazy about watching more of the guy from burn notice who fucking sucks and the writing was not spectacular but it was still law and order and the original one was always the best to me and it came back and it was still law and order so that happened honorable mention just just for the balls of making it happen Go team. Law and order is always going to law and order. It sure Titanic is. Titanic bulls. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, it's time to it's time to wrap this up. It's late. It's time for us all to go to bed. So that is our show. Uh, join us next time, um, which theoretically won't be for another month. Uh, I don't I think this is going to take the uh, the January slot as far as this show is concerned. Because uh, Evan and Angie have a lot going on, but when we come back next time, we'll be talking about uh, Karen's pick, Winchester's season one, episode one. We did watch it the other day, and it was certainly a television show that we have watched. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna I, be a fun one. I, I, I I'm not gonna say I didn't like it. Uh, I, I'm not saying that at all. But it was you talked about <laughs> you talked about Wednesday feeling very CWE, and I'm like, 
I feel like it must have been a while since you've watched something CW. Because <laughs> that, that flavor. Oh, man. God, remember we were all watching those Arrowverse shows? They were so entertaining, but yeah. god damn, were they CW. Yeah, they sure were. That is a distinct flavor. Uh, all right, this week's episode is not filmed before a live studio audience, but it is fueled by feedback from listeners like you, and you can get in touch with us in a multitude of ways. We have an official Geekade Discord, where there's an entire this week's episode channel dedicated to all things TV talk. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through all the official Geekade channels, or the more specific twi- Twepcast accounts, which I don't even think we use anymore, so I should really rewrite this script. And of course, um, we can all be found in various ways. I'm available on Twitter at Geekade Chris, that's Geekade K-R-I-S. You can read my work at StoneAgeGamer.com and in the pages of Nintendo Force magazine. Karen, where can the listeners find you? I said glisteners. Where can the listeners find you? I was not going to point that out, but since you did, that's a weird word. Yeah. Um, You're all glistening. At at STM Stitches on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Etsy, and I guess Twitter. (laughs) Theoretically. Uh, Paul, do you have any anything you want to plug? Anything you want to tell people? Just share share your information, or just tell everyone to fuck off and listen to a theater near you. Yeah, listen to a theater near you. <laughs> you 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 can't find me. I'll uh, I hide from people. Probably should be better about that. But um, you know, hey hey, li- listen to the show and say thanks to Chris, and then I'll uh, maybe I'll poke my head out more. <laughs> Good times. If you need to know more about the shows we discussed tonight or what we'll be watching in the future, have a look at our show notes. And if you have any other questions at all, we can always be reached at mail at geekade.com. Just include the words of this week's episode in the subject line so we know who you're trying to reach. This show is available anywhere fine podcasts are sold, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and more. And wherever you decide to listen, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave reviews because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Also, if you want to get early access to this show and a number of other Geekade podcasts, please sign up for our Patreon. It's uh, a Keycade Patreon. You can get early access to our episodes and a monthly podcast schedule. It's a good time. And again, as always, keep your eyes on Geekade for more fresh original content. That is going to be it. Uh, um, all right, I'm Chris. I'm Paul. Titanic balls. <laughs> well done. <laughs> good night. Good night. And this concludes our broadcast day.